The name's Bond. James Bond. What do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Grow up, 007. <laughs> this never happened to the other fellow. I'm the money. Every penny of it. So you put your money where your mouth is. Well, that's quite a nice little nothing you're almost wearing. I approve. I'll do anything for a woman with a knife. Shocking, positively shocking. You get your clothes on, I'll buy you a nice train. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Double Oz 7 for episode number 30. It's just a number. Um, we're here to talk about a number of Pierce Brosnan films, which basically means Ben's going to orgasm by the end of this episode. Um <laughs> And based on Die Another Day, I might as well uh, hear that. <laughs> he'll do a money penny. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, we didn't need the sound effect. <laughs> uh, but we are here to talk about the entire Pierce Brosnan era, the 90s to the 2002s, <laughs> as we're calling it. Uh, the end of an era, literally the end of an era, because this is also kind of recapping, well, we're not going to recap the whole thing again, but... Uh, this was the end of the original continuity of James Bond because Madonna killed the franchise, as we said, and Halle Berry, Berry buried it. And, and everyone in the franchise game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, we're going to be here for an hour and a half discussing four movies that you we've already talked about. So <laughs> I am Colin and dun 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 That's my cut on 007 Sings the Hits of the Pierce Brosnan Era. <laughs> Um, I believe I go next. And, um, <laughs> that works. My name is Noah, and the 2002s were my favourite decade in history. My name is Ben, and I'm glad we've lived to podcast another day. We almost didn't after the last one. <laughs> <laughs> but let's uh, jump into it here. So, the Pierce Brosnan era, um, not an entire decade, but I think the reason that we have separated it like this is because... A, uh, you can't group Die Another Day in with the Daniel Craigs, very clearly. And oh, uh, B, it, the, the Pierce Brosnans had their own distinctive feel to it. And I think when we originally looked at this, we thought, well, should we group it into the actors' movies? But, you know, if you look at everything up to Honor Majesty's Secret Service, those all had their own feel. Everything up to Moonraker, its own feel. Everything up to License to Kill. And that's where these four Pierce Brosnans are, despite the fact they had different directors every time. Uh, so let's go through with uh, this section of the James Bond rewatch. How are we finding the rewatch now that we've gotten up to Pierce Brosnan? Um, for me, I mean, I I was always a huge Pierce Brosnan fan and uh, a defender of Pierce Brosnan, I guess, as you are, Ben. It's funny that the most recent Bond usually gets a lot of criticism and it takes a while for people to come around and I'm kind of hoping people are going to start coming around on Pierce Brosnan again. Not that he's ever been like, you know, a Timothy Dalton or even Roger Moore level of criticism. But uh, I, one thing that I found is that if Pierce Brosnan's movies don't hold up uh, as a whole, and I think they do, but if somebody's of the opinion they don't, I think that Pierce Brosnan does. And there really isn't, you made an interesting comment that, you know, Pierce Brosnan wasn't bored and that you thought that Die Another Day was one of his better performances. 
I don't think it was one of his better performances. I think it was his weakest. But I think if you hold even Die Another Day as far as Pierce's performance up compared to, you know, anything that Sean Connery did in his second half of the franchise or uh, even a couple of the Roger Moores, I think that you know, Pierce Brosnan's probably the Bond that played it with the most enthusiasm and gave it his all no matter what, uh, was unaffected by all the dumb things going on around him. And I think that's the one thing that holds this decade together is definitely Pierce Brosnan. Uh, yeah, I was excited to get to the films. I can't say they were my favourite ones to recap. Um, Goldeneye, we had so much to talk about, and we almost needed to do Goldeneye Part 2. Um, but I feel like sometimes, like, even Tomorrow Never Dies, we enjoyed it, but there wasn't enough thrilling discussions in that, and then Die Another Day is just a whole other factor. Um but I still like the era, and I enjoyed it. I do think the films get worse and worse each time. Uh, each film that goes on, Goldeneye being the worst, uh, Best Die Another Day being the worst. Um, but it's still another chapter, and I almost feel like that was a separate one from uh, the first fifteen films as well, or first sixteen. But still enjoyable. Um, but at the same time, very much ready to move on to the Daniel Craig ones, which will be interesting to talk about. I'm sure we'll discuss that a bit later on. But I do think Brosnan holds up. I don't think a lot of the stuff in his films do. It's interesting because this is the the period I was looking forward to getting to the most. Um, and it's, yeah, the most enjoyable I've had because I just love these films so much still to this day. And... It's funny kind of hearing sort of not just through you guys, but sort of even reading some of the comments that Brosnan gets a lot of criticism because I think when, I think Noah, you might have mentioned it in one of the episodes saying that to you, he still is Bond. Like, cause I mean, for all of us, he really was the Bond at the time and we were <clears throat> getting into the films, excuse me. Um, and yeah, to me still, he, he feels like he is Bond to me and he possibly will always be Bond in my eyes. Um, and I, and I, I mentioned in an episode that I remember when these films were airing, uh, in cinemas, I should say that a lot of the time he was, he was widely praised. And I, I, I cannot remember hearing much criticism of Pierce when his films were coming out, even die another day. I don't even remember too much from the criticism back then, but it's, it's just to me still to this day. And I've said it before we got into these, I'll say it again. He's to me is the greatest bond, not just for personal you know, fandom reasons, but I just think he is the most complete Bond in terms of he ticks all the boxes and he he is just kind of a mixture of all the elements of the character. And yeah, kind of what you were saying, Colin, I think that if you would analyse all the different Bond actors, um, you know, obviously Connery phoned it in in several of his performances towards the end. Moore, I think, sort of was, you know, overshadowed by his age a lot towards the end of his time. Dalton, you know, never really had a lot of time to shine and it was a big different period. And Craig, um, you know, wildly wildly praised a lot throughout his um, films, but also, you know, sort of overshadowed a lot by his, you know, uh, perception and reactions to playing the character and the comments he says in the media a lot. Brosnan is sort of the one that is just, if you watch Everything or Nothing, the documentary, and you see the enthusiasm he had for playing this character, the disappointment he had when he first found out that he had it, then he didn't. Even the disappointment he had when he found out that he had lost the role after Die Another Day, you know. I feel he is the one actor that just relished this role so much, had 
fun in every time he did it and he just absolutely loved playing this role so much so yeah it's a, it's a it's a unique period of of the franchise uh sadly it kind of yeah brings to end what we i guess grew up with and know through 20 different films before we get to this reboot um and sort of the last four films of the first 20 films in their own way is a reboot in its own way but yeah, there's there's a lot to obviously go over in this episode, which I'm I'm looking forward to. I said in the '80s one, I'm looking forward to this, but I'm also gonna be a bit sad that it does mean there'll be no more Brosnan to talk about, unless he replaces Daniel Craig as like a sixty year old or something. I'd be all for that. <laughs> we all would bring Brosnan back. Why not? Start a campaign. If if Connery can come back at 86 or whatever he was and never say never again, then Brosnan can do it at least. Never say never again, too, with Brosnan. Hey, I'll be for that. <laughs> okay, Connery, starring Brosnan. Uh... <laughs> okay, Brosnan. Expendables, James Bond version. They were actually trying to do that, weren't they? Getting all the James Bond ex-actors <laughs> together to do an Expendables-style yeah. film. Yeah, let's not have that. <laughs> Don't get ahead We've of got a lot of bombs! Let's... <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, I'd be all for even just Pierce Brosnan The Expendables. I mean, I, I think just yeah, really quickly. Means, touch, this, it is interesting that, you know, we're still in an era where Brosnan is relevant. Mm. And I don't know if any of the other Bond actors uh, had as seamless as a transition after the role ended. Maybe that's because he was famous beforehand. I mean, you, know, you could say the same for Roger Moore, but Roger Moore was pretty much near retirement when he finished Bond. <laughs> But if you look at Connery, I mean, he had a couple of movies here and there, but he really struggled to have success until, you know, well into the late 80s. I think he had, like, it was when he started doing movies like Highlander and uh, Indiana Jones that The Untouchables, those movies that he came back in attention. And that was, like, 15 years after he uh, had stopped playing Bond. And, you know, obviously Dalton, I mean, no, he didn't really take off after Bond. Uh, as we said, Moore kind of ended, Lazenby ended. Brosnan's always sort of been there, and I think uh, we could say, yeah, it's because he had Remington Seal going in, or we could say that, you know, despite a lot of the criticisms, Brosnan is still a loved actor, and uh, every time he has something new come out, I mean, I'm watching it, uh, I, I just saw some chick flick that he has on Netflix with Jessica Alba and Selma Hayek, and I'm like, there we go, that's on my list, I'm, I'm going to watch that. As as <laughs> Which one does he bed? But, Which uh, one does he get with? I'm hoping both of them. <laughs> Like this is Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but um, I, I we'll get into that a little bit more later on. Just uh, I guess eulogizing Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> but uh, moving on, <laughs> let's. Uh, you mentioned Noah that you know Tomorrow Never Dies didn't really bring about the most interesting discussions, and it probably didn't because it was you know a movie we all sort of agreed on. It was just average or whatever. But I don't. I don't think that it really suffered as far as the content of the episode go i think that one of the interesting things is that even when we are all in agreement on these episodes we've had some pretty outrageous discussions come up during the pierce brosnan <laughs> one i mean this might rival some of the roger moore's so uh let's go through what some of our favorite moments have been on these last four episodes that we've done and i think the one that stands out for me is definitely from tomorrow never dies an old john tenney had a dream discussion which really lasted for an entire episode uh sim simple enough just ben bringing up that you know carrie hatcher took this role because her husband had always had a dream to play a bond girl 
And it just evolved into probably the longest running, most ridiculous joke we've ever had on this show. The many dreams of John Tenney. Uh, Imagine that, that conversation. Probably... Like, honey, um, just got some scripts here to go through. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I've got like uh, Lois and Clark season five. They're trying to get that off the ground. Uh, they want me to be in you know, Shakespeare and love. and also... Then there's this Bond movie where they just want me to play a side character. It. it is always in my dream. <laughs> To marry a Bond girl. <laughs> either, either that or, he, or, you know, John Teddy's just rocking around going like, fuck, I'm lonely. I need to marry someone. And he looks like a movie poster. Terry Hatcher, uh, Michelle Yeoh. Oh, Terry's hot. I'll go marry her. <laughs> like, can you just imagine if it had come down to, you know, it wasn't necessarily as you, let's say this isn't something she could make public, but it's like, it wasn't really his dream to marry a Bond girl. It was his dream to marry a woman that Pierce Brosnan and perform <laughs> Necro on. <laughs> this is the closest How I'll ever get to Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> yes. John Tenney's real dream, like mine and Ben's, was <laughs> Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, uh, uh I don't know about you guys. I mean, I, I think that, you know, we we probably had some outrageous stuff in each episode, but that would be my favorite, at least from the last four. Uh, yeah, John Tenney had a dream was pretty funny and pretty a dick move, really. Um, <laughs> poor Terry. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think. Um, maybe a bit inappropriate, but Ben and his week with Judy Dench, <laughs> that was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but... I don't know. I don't think you need a week for Judy Dench. I think she's fine. Um, she is just, fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think as a whole, the Goldeneye episode was one of our better ones because there was just so much to discuss. Somehow, Dying of the Day ended up being longer, but there was so much more to discuss. Um, and then when I was reflecting on the Dying of the Day one, that was kind of funny because I feel like we talked so much about that song but Ben didn't really explain why he liked it so much, and I feel like we didn't explain why we hate it so much. I just well, felt while like we're on was... that topic, shall well, we get all... back into it? No, 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 no. It was just all this discussion, but then, like, I don't know if we even got to the bottom of it. Um, the Die Another Day one, I don't know if that's a low light or a high light, but um, definitely an interesting um, interesting episode to say the least it's our longest one so far which is crazy um yeah i i, I like john tenney had a dream and snuff stamper um yeah, so maybe tomorrow never dies wasn't too bad um but yeah these episodes have probably been crazier than the more ones and i guess the brosnans they are a bit more serious but they do have a lot of whack in them as well so it's not completely unsurprising. Just a random thing quickly. It's funny, Colin, you mentioning about, you know, John Tenney's dream was just to get close to Piers Brosnan. I was actually reading some um, trivia bits about uh, the Brosnan films and I had to laugh at uh, Piers Brosnan said in an interview he was in a pub in Ireland and a man came up to him, shook his hand and said, like, can I shake your hand? He's like, absolutely. And the man turned around to Piers Brosnan and said, that is the closest I'll ever get to Halle Berry's ass because your hand has touched it. Uh, <laughs> so i just thought that was funny it's just a random thing um yeah i i've just recently listened gone back and listened to the goldeneye one and 
I think it's one of our most complete episodes, even though we rushed through it. And that was the longest episode of the time. I mean, we, I think, cracked the three-and-a-half-hour mark on License to Kill, and we cracked, like, the three-hour-40 mark for Golden. I think we've cracked the three-hour-50 mark for Die Another Day. So, um, but, like, the thing with... The difference between Golden and Die Another Day is that we we didn't really miss anything in Goldeneye. We pretty much covered it comprehensively. We just skipped over so many things because I think it took us like a good, you know, 40 minutes before we even really got into the talking about the main bits of the film because we were just so excited to go over so many things. And um, I just think it was a very good episode and not trying to toot our own horns. Apparently I am doing it again, Ben. Um, but it was, it was, you know, just a well-rounded episode. Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, absolutely. John Tenney. Can't go past that. Um, and the snuff porn. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, neither of you really mentioned anything to do with World is Enough. I enjoyed that episode. I think the Denise Richards stuff was just fun. Um, and there was still good moments. That, and I enjoyed that one because I kind of went into that you know, when we went into these episodes, knowing that I absolutely loved the fuck out of that film, and I was glad that I kind of had Colin on side for that one. I didn't realise how much he actually liked that coming in. And, I mean, the build-up for Die Another Day was just so much. We finally got to it. And I think the funniest thing about that episode, and uh, there's been a lot of shift in terms of our recording times for these episodes. We've kind of, for the most part, done these for Noah and I late at night and Colin early in the morning. So by the time we're finishing most of these episodes, it's like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning for Noah and I. And the Die Another Day one, just the fact that, you know, Noah despises the film and then we're getting to the end and you can just tell when Noah's just, he's skipping ahead to things we're not even talking about. He's just like, I don't give a fuck. Like, whatever. It's die another day. (laughs) And just the the little silly debates and arguments that we kind of had through that one because I just, I enjoyed that aspect of it and I I actually look forward to listening back to it. Um, Funny thing is, when you're mentioning about the song, is that... I said before I started talking about it, I'm going to be talking about it for the next five minutes. And you're like, ah, five minutes, really? I think I timed it. I actually did talk about it for pretty much five minutes. So <laughs> I'm a man of my word. But um, I'm going to I'm going to put out there the wig conversation because in, in re-listening to that <laughs> in the coming last couple of days, it was a complete throwaway comment by me. But the funniest bit is Noah's reaction because Noah's the one losing his shit. Noah just can't hold it together. And then he's like, just going, oh, put a wig on it, she'll be right. And I'm just like <laughs> losing it from there. And just a, a random little moment that I was talking to Noah about earlier this evening, which I think is an underrated Colin moment. I enjoyed the episode. We're talking about the Hall of Fame in Goldeneye. And Colin, you put up the uh, Xenia on a top spa scene. And then Noah's like, oh, yeah, I think we need to put one in there. I'd probably put more so her death scene over the spa scene. And you just quickly go, oh, no. And then the, it's completely not thought about. I, I personate you that Noah completely loses his shit. And he's like, oh, no, you sound so sad there, Colin. It's, it's funny. It doesn't sound funny when I explain it, but. I think you've got to hear yeah, people it. listening yeah. go back and listen to it it's funny which i might go back and listen because i don't remember again that. we're comedic geniuses <laughs> um <sighs> one more thing to add on the die another day one just as a, a recap the whole madonna turn colin gay thing uh, <laughs> where for when and it really happened just by fluke that i was visualizing the scene where the prison exchange happened and i was visualizing zhao from later in the movie where we were shirtless but it evolved into this thing where I kept bringing up like shirtless Pierce Brosnan and unbuttoned Pierce Brosnan and stuff. And <laughs> my wife asked me how the recording went later that day, and I kind of played, <laughs> it, yeah, 
I think I kind of made a couple of comments that made me sound kind of gay. <laughs> she apparently wasn't surprised because I guess I, I, I often talk up Pierce Brosnan like he's the most beautiful she's man on the planet. She's been suspecting it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> she's always, she, she, she's under the impression I have a man crush on Pierce Brosnan already. So this didn't break up my marriage. It just solidified some, uh, I guess, uh, concerns she already you know had. You know what's funny? Is I've just got this weird image of like you two going to like Comic-Con or something like that. And they've got a, you know, a James Bond round table. Special guest appearances, Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig. And you both walk into a room. There's Pierce Brosnan on one side, Daniel Craig. You just both, honey, it's been a good couple of years. Love you. And then you just run off each <laughs> to the respective actors. <laughs> That's probably the way it'll go. Um, which is why. And then there's me and Ben fighting over laziness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the loser gets um... watch them all. <laughs> no, don't. Oh, I would have Roger Moore. And Sean Connery's just fighting with his family in the background. <laughs> yes. That's um, much for me. <laughs> You're not my brother. So we, this next part, we kind of preview, you know, what we're expecting going into the decade before we do every decade episode. And not that we ever remember what our predictions were or anything, but uh, I guess we all have some expectations going in, you know, what the Brosnans were going to be about, you know, what we were going to get out of them. But um, what were some of the things that we came in maybe expecting that we were going to like, dislike, expecting we were going to defend, you know, not defend, that maybe we were turned around on a little bit? So what things changed this time around? For me, I think uh, I've definitely talked up a little bit how Carver is a villain that I've turned around on, um, that... I used to absolutely hate him and that I've come around on him. And I think what really sold it for me was when I was putting together, you know, our closing, I guess you want to call it our end titles, where I put all the quotes to the music and how many of Carver's lines I just was dying to have in there. And then when I was doing the same thing for The World's Not Enough one, realizing I had to force myself to come up with one or two Renard ones. And that's not to say Renard's not a bad villain, but I think that the difference is Carver is so quotable and, uh, I think the same thing with some of the henchmen. I never really looked at the Pierce Brosnans for having strong henchmen. We talked how strong the Roger Moore ones were. Even though I don't think they're as obvious, I think there's a lot of really subtle henchmen in the background. You know, World is Not Enough had Vlad, or not, uh, Die Another Day had Vlad, which I thought was, you know, a great henchman. And uh, the, uh, the Golden Eye, obviously, we, we have Zukovsky and uh, um, Alan Cumming. Uh, <laughs> uh, What's his character's name again? Boris. Uh, don't mention that. Boris, yes. Not to go back to another joke. Um, yeah. Ben. ben. But I think that there are a lot of... I'm not even going to call them underdeveloped henchmen. Because I think one thing the Pierce Brosnan movies maybe intentionally did was to focus more on the villains. And uh, that'll bring me to another thing that I wasn't really expecting going in. But they focus more on the villains, and a lot of the henchmen were meant to be just be, you know, blink and you miss them, and let's give a couple of very small characters some great moments, and I think that's something that we haven't seen in the others. And on the topic of the villains, and particularly the Bond girls, I never really sat down and analyzed it strongly enough to realize how much attention was put in in the Pierce Brosnans to having surprises with both the Bond girls and the villains, to really have these plot twists in there to mess with the audience and you know obviously the first one would have been alec and goldeneye uh but that really continues on in the world is not enough you know what you're finding out that renard is not the main villain obviously you have electric king that the bond girl is actually the villain die another day that you know gustav graves is five foot five korean uh (laughs) 
Miranda Frost. And it's something they did each time. And I don't think, I think that's one thing that does hold up because a lot of times you just expect, well, now we're going to have to have some type of twist with a villain. We're going to have to have some type of twist with the Bond girl. And I don't think it really ever became obvious with the Pierce Brosnan's. And I think that's something that uh, is very unique to his films that even I didn't really think about before that strongly. Um, one thing, maybe this sounds crazy, but I honestly thought I would defend Die Another Day a bit more. And I didn't expect it to be my lowest film. I honestly didn't. Um, because I probably do rewatch it more than some of the other ones because it is crazy. But this most recent rewatch was a tough one to get through. Um, but, yeah, so that was a bit of a, a shock that I couldn't defend it as much as I thought. And that, I think, is probably going to come down to not um, of taking notes and being really careful at watching it because a lot of these films aren't meant for note-taking and four-hour discussions on, and that really is one that didn't help Die Another Day. That's one that helped something like a GoldenEye, but not Die Another Day. Um, I think I maybe grew a more uh, appreciation for some of his title songs, not Die Another Day, because I've never been a huge Brosnan title song fan. I'm still not, but... World is Not Enough is definitely growing on me as a title sequence, uh, title song. And the sequences, I'm just not impressed with the sequences for the Brosnan era, even though they were trying new stuff. Um, I guess just more appreciation for things like Stamper, I never really viewed as too great of a henchman, but he was really good. Um, and I don't rewatch these ones as much as the Roger Moore or Sean Connery ones. So a lot of it was not new to me, but new appreciation for it. Um, I'm not sure if I even expected Goldeneye to be second, but there was just so much to talk about. Um, Jack Wade are kind of coming around on a bit as well. I've never been a huge fan of him either. Um, so... I would say, even though it hasn't been my favourite era to talk about, it's probably the one where I had different opinions forming and probably the most shifts I've ever had out of any of the eras. Like There was so much different opinions this time on the Brosnans, while the Connerys, most of my opinions from the last 10 years have stuck on those films. So, um, yeah, so I guess it's just a shifting and taking more note of things and I guess the other thing is now when you watch in 2015 you see a lot of this era is starting to look dated when a few years ago it didn't look so dated and you can't really help that a lot like that's just the nature of film but I think we said tomorrow never dies doesn't really look too dated so I guess you can help it in some ways no kite surfing but <laughs> Yeah, as the years go on, the Brosnans look more and more dated, but still enjoyable. I think too with you, Noah, you had what your your rankings. You had a, your number two and your dead last in terms of your spread of your films. Anyway, um, wait, what was so that? So you had the it. sort of what you were saying. Goldeneye was both extremes. Yeah, both extremes. Like you had Goldeneye ah. as your number two film of all time at this point, anyway, and Die Another Day as your last. So yeah. Um, yeah, and tomorrow never dies in the middle. I think that one 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 that stands out for me um, is the appreciation of someone like Natalia, because I, as I said in the Goldeneye episode, I was I really used to despise her, 
and every single time I watch it, I like her even more and sort of talking about her more and then kind of, um, you know, the discussion of her being a Bond equal is, is kind of something that I'd never really, you know, thought about too much. Um, maybe it just comes to her being the number one in eHarmony, I don't know. But um, <laughs> it just, it, I mean, it just kind of really established her more so as somebody that I admire a lot more for her character. Um, it just... Goldeneye, I think the, the the real thing for me is that I was so close to keeping that as my number one. Like, as I said in the Goldeneye episode, you know, I went into these rewatch, you know, ultimately knowing what my number one would be. And at the end of that Goldeneye episode, I honestly thought, I was like, wow, I think I might have this ahead of the world is not enough. I honestly think this might have pipped it now on this rewatch and sort of discussing, discussing it, you know, for nearly four hours. And I very nearly kept it there. Very, very nearly did. But um, ultimately, it's still number two. So, um in terms of kind of the other things, yeah, I think, no, you said with Stamper, absolutely. I think, I mean, I've always liked Stamper, but I think talking him up a little bit more was great. Um, I was, you know, really um, surprised in terms of Davidov, how much we paid attention to him. <laughs> um, I still feel... Well, I think for the wrong reason. I still feel sorry for Dav- Davidov. Hashtag pray for Davidov. Um, he's, <laughs> it's really sad. Um, Dr. Kaufman, I'm glad we really talked him up. Like, he's always been one that I've loved, but I'm glad kind of that was sort of spread out there in terms of our love. Um, I was surprised that we talked about Goldie's music career. Um, and... <laughs> Die Another Day, um, look, I think, one, one actually, it's probably a strange thing to point, I don't know, like, I've always liked um, Graves as a villain, but I think kind of in a rewatch, it's like, just the, the nature of his, his... A rewatch, man! <laughs> just the nature of his character, and I think, sort of, as Colin pointed out, just like his his anger issues and all that sort of, just, if you kind of look at it that way, he just makes him such a better villain. And, like, he's not the perfect villain. I thought I brought those points up to, to explain why he wasn't <laughs> a good villain. It's done the opposite for me. This but like, with a film he enjoys. Think, he's going to find every single thing. I think Noah and I had a discussion about um, Elliot Carver and sort of like, I think, you know, you asked me the question, like, would you rank him above Gustav Graves? And, I mean, I've always been a Carver defender. I love Carver. But I kind of think now that Graves has kind of maybe just leaped ahead of him slightly. Oh. Like they're not, they're neither of them a top ten villain material. I'm not that dumb, but it's yeah. I I don't know. This is something about the appreciation for Graves that I've really had. And to both of you, middle finger up. Jinx is awesome. Get a life. I've uh, I love my Jinx. I love my Halle Berry. And uh, yeah, just got to put that out. Can we you also... better get that middle finger up to several million more people out there because I think you're the first one I've heard defend. Well, you know what I say to that? Yo, mama. <laughs> <laughs> well, another thing we should point out is, and when you're taking note of different directors and stuff like that, these four films feel very unique from one another and a big part of that is the fact that there was a different director each time. But you watch Goldeneye and then watch Die Another Day back to back and these films seem just so different to each other. Like, you could watch Live and Let Die, Man with a Golden Gun and then watch A View to a Kill and there's been a big change but I still feel like it fits. Um, And there's definitely recurring Brosnan elements and there is like we're talking about it right now, there is the Brosnan era. You can define the Brosnan era, but I just think these four films are really unique from one another as well. It's also, you know, if we really look at past Bond directors, this was the first time they really stepped out internationally. And, uh, 
it wasn't Not just always like, the best decision. It was a 50 50 yeah, split there on the New Zealand directors. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we have obviously Martin Campbell and Michael Apted were, were British, but you have a Canadian director in there, Roger Spottiswood for Tomorrow Never Dies. You have the Kiwi for Die Another Day. Martin uh, Campbell was Kiwi. Yeah. Was he? There we go. Okay, there you go. Yeah, so. that's a 50-50. So, really, we only have one Englishman directing a Bond that's film. That's a bloody shame, uh, isn't it? It's, it's very international, though. I mean, it's it's something that uh, I never really... That's another thing I never really thought of going in, is not only were they taking directors, they were, for the first time, really allowing directors from other countries. They weren't keeping it so exclusive. And I think it does help a little bit. I mean, I, I, don't, I think the distinctive styles, I don't know if that comes down to the countries they're in, you know? Roger Spottiswood doesn't really direct this like it's a Canadian movie, partly because Canadian movies don't have $100 million budgets. But, uh, you know, the, Martin Campbell definitely had brought a lot of intensity and quirkiness to it that I don't know if that's a Kiwi thing. It would be interesting to see because, uh, again, most of the other movies he's seen I've, of his that I've seen have been the, um, the American ones, the Hollywood what ones. What is the most successful Canadian movie of all time? Uh, internationally or in Canada? Curling the film. <laughs> Give us both. Uh, okay, well, there's... I, I think there's a movie called Porky's in yeah. the 80s that was like... Um, uh, it, it was like, I guess, the start of the whole 80s raunchy comedies. Canadian? And Yeah, it's a Canadian movie. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. That, yeah, I, I don't know if there's a full list or anything here. I mean, I could Google it, but... Uh, there's a couple of Canadian movies that were really big here in Canada. Uh, a lot of French Canadian movies. The, the French Canadian ones can outgross like most Marvel movies here, which is crazy. Those French Canadians. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's no Canada. But if you include like, like Canada, sorry. <laughs> if you include like Canadian directors who have done. Uh, you know, movies that maybe are partly financed in Canada. I mean, I don't know if you know who David Cronenberg is. He made like uh, Eastern yes. Promises. Um, what was the other one with Viggo Mortensen he did? Uh, History of Violence. So there's certain movies like that that I guess could be included in there too. Okay. I just ran a question like, because it's kind of like when you talk about Canadian TV shows, I'm like, I know they exist and I can name some, but it's, you know, often gets confused with the place below you. But anyway, we won't go there. Although, <laughs> if if there is a if anybody's familiar, I, I haven't even ever watched the show, but there's a franchise called Trailer Park Boys here in Canada that they've done tons of movies okay. too. Oh, I love it. That's, yeah, it's, that's my um, new podcast I've got coming out soon. Actually, so. <laughs> it's funny though because you'll probably meet more Americans for whatever reason that love that than Canadians. But uh, anyways, I can now see that we're that. done doing Canadian Canadian film Oz. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's, uh, go into, I guess there's certain elements that are distinctive to every era. And I kind of brought up the two that I think both were introduced and stayed with this decade. Uh, so that's, I guess the next thing we'll cover is what things were brought in just for Pierce Brosnan films. And then what things kind of ended with the Pierce Brosnan films, whether they were brought in or not, what things is this the end of? And I think it's going to be very easy for the second half of that. But as I mentioned, I hadn't even really noticed before how uh, defined this era was with the plot twists with Bond girls and villains and really trying to surprise the audience. And uh, I think that's something they don't deserve enough credit for because it's pulled off successfully with the exception of maybe, you know, a little bit too ridiculous with Gustav Graves. It's pulled off successfully every single time. I mean, people will always talk about how great it is that, you know, 
Alec, a, a double O agent, comes back halfway through the film and Electric King. I mean, I, I would love to hear anybody try to criticize Electric King's place in in you know the Bond series, Noah. but <laughs> I don't even know if I'm Noah had anything bad to say. Yeah, thank you, Noah. <laughs> Not underneath Richards. Yeah, well, uh, th- that's uh, the element I think that was introduced that. Um, has stuck with a little bit it's it's not something so distinctive where you know obviously if you look at vesper in the next one that's what ian fleming intended you know going in was for there to be a plot twist with her character and uh if you look at even skyfall you know you find out that this guy was a double agent and there's some cool plot twist there but that's something that really we hadn't seen that much of before and they've kept much more subtly in the daniel craigs but it is still there and then, as you said, Noah, I think also the, the fact that there's different directors every single time, we just covered that. That's something that they started with the Pierce Brosnan films. And, you know, we obviously had uh, Sam Mendes doing two back-to-back, but otherwise they've stuck with that formula. You know, Martin Campbell and um, Mark Forrester and then Sam Mendes, you know, trying out different people every single time. Uh, as far as things that really stayed in the 90s, I mean, take your pick. It's... Uh, uh, it's the end of the original continuity. It's the end of, I guess you could say, Broccoli and Saltzman's era, what they created. And going forward after this, it really is, you know, Michael G. Wilson and Barbara Broccoli's series, and they're creating something new. Um, the the gimmicks, the gadgets, the the puns, all of those things kind of end here. You know, they they're brought back maybe as tributes, but this is the end of really the entire what we've known of james bond which when we do get to casino royale i think we all probably had some strong reactions to that once we originally saw it um i think the biggest plot twist in brosnan is christmas jones because i think everyone was going wtf is going on there so uh forget electra christmas is just the biggest plot twist in the history of plot. Um, history of one plot. thing that's <laughs> one thing that's and twists. Um, twist. One thing that stayed with <laughs> plot twist that stayed with this era was or oh, introduced. Sorry, um, short-haired women uh, between Money Penny and M. Like, this was the era of short-haired women, which... And it definitely stuck around, you know, with M and the Craigs with short hair, too. Yeah, and Craig, for that And Ray um, <laughs> Put a wig on, Craig. Um, <laughs> Darling. Yes. So that's one. Um, but in all seriousness, I joke, but the the female characters, just in general, yeah, it fails with people like Jinx, but they were making an effort to make more believable and stronger female characters. And that doesn't mean that they have to be equals. Um, like Money Penny is not an equal, but they made a more assertive Money Penny, which they blew that all out the window, come die another day, and just destroyed the entire thing that they've set up. Um, but just the M character as well. Goldeneye, there's a lot of mentions of it. Oh, she's a woman, she's a woman. But by die another day, it's just she's the boss. And I like that that uh, continuation. And I guess that stuck well into the Craig era with the new money pennies and the new M's and Q's and stuff like that. Um, another thing that's unique to this era that has 
that was introduced, well, maybe not introduced, but it definitely hasn't stuck and it's not in all the eras, is uh, no Fleming titles. Um, and there is some Flemingness in the movies, but like even Dalton had the Living Daylights title. Um, Roger Moore had a, a chunk of Flemingness and Sean Connery had a lot of Fleming material being used. Um, Brosnan does use some Fleming material, but it's hands down the furthest away from the Fleming novels we'll ever get. Like, these are big, over-the-top action, silly, like, loads of gadgets, action movies. They're not the Flemings. And not that that's a criticism, it's just an observation. Um, and they never use a Fleming title, although Goldeneye is obviously um, his estate and the world is not enough is Bond's family motto. So there's still definitely some... Bond in there, but for the most part, this is all unique stuff going on here. Um, which, it works, but it also fails in some ways when they're trying to get good villains or characters, but we've also talked about how that happened in the Roger Moore era too. And one thing I would say probably introduced in this era, but continued on to the craigs, I guess, is the action. Like, we we got the Brosnan kill count. Like he was averaging on like thirty kills every film. Like this is over the top. He's a murderer. He just slaughters people. Um, which remember the Manson really not... family. Yeah, he just he loves it. But we didn't really have that with Connery or Lazenby or Moore or even Dalton for that matter. That we soon discovered, um, even in License to Kill. So. That's one thing really introduced was Bond would pick up a machine gun and just shoot people down. Um, and maybe not so much in Casino Royale, but that cold hardest action Bond is definitely something that stuck around into the Craig era too, I think. One thing that um, was introduced and didn't stick around was the lack of Felix. Um, the only uh, actor period not to have any Felix. Um, I, I mean, I know kind of in other films we've had sort of characters used in multiple movies and same with actors, you know, Sylvia Trench and we've had other ones as well um, with Mr. Pepper, Sergeant Pepper and whatever and, um, yeah. Sergeant Pepper. JW, whatever, like, whatever his name. Oh, JW. I really was wondering, like, who's Sergeant Pepper? Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts. I'm thinking the Beatles here. Um, But, but like, we obviously had that with Wade and Zukovsky, you know, kind of um, repeat allies that we hadn't had in a while, at least, um, in terms of that aren't, like, Tanner and M and Q. Just building a recurring world, I think. Yeah, which, which I think is, you know, it's there. It happens in Bond. But I think we had a long period of Bond films where they were all almost their separate entities and they didn't necessarily continue on too much. And they sort of brought that back with that. And... Um, you know, obviously we have a bit more of that in the Craig films because obviously Quantum is a direct sequel to Casino Royale and Spectre's basically a direct sequel to Spe- uh, to Skyfall almost. So um, definitely one thing that was I sort of touched on in the 80s one, but definitely introduced, better or worse, computer computer graphics. Um, we had that with the title. Worse. Title worse, sequence worse. Uh, obviously was a key factor there. Um, obviously the special effects... Uh, well, they they went a little bit cray-cray um, in 2002, um, if we're going to be completely honest there. It was a crazy decade, 2002. Um, but, you know, I mean, other elements are brought in, and, and for the most part, 
you know, they still stick to their, you know, ultimate goal of conducting the stunts themselves until we had a certain New Zealander come along in 2002 for that. Um, and, you know, there are still obviously special effects used in, in the Craig films and there were special effects used in the Conneries and the Moors and, and, you know, the Daltons, but it's sort of kind of over on them a lot more. Um, and yeah, I think sort of the action element was one that I was going to bring up. Um, you know, you mentioned Noah that Goldeneye could possibly go down as one of the greatest action films of all time outside of the Bond universe. And look, you know, if you like explosion, I mean, Michael Bay could direct one of these, you know, Brosnan films and probably get away with it. There's enough explosions going on all the time. Um, I think one thing that kind of we lose a lot from this point on, um, which we're starting to get back a bit more since Spectre, but looks of things, is kind of with that reboot, a lot of that subtle humour. I'm not saying it's not there. Of course, there are moments there, but um, obviously that, a lot of that comes down to the reboot and sort of the new style we've got of it. Um, you know, probably the last time we have a Bond smile for a while, at least show some facial emotion. Um, and the last, this, this is the big one, the one that stays in the 90s, it stays, you know, ends with the 20 films, hairy-chested Bond. And we, sorry, ladies who love, and Colin who love topless hairy, um, you know, Brosnan and Bond, but from this point on, you're going to have a very shiny, silky smooth, waxed chest Bond and blonde hair as well. We're losing the dark-haired Bond from this point, folks, and if some of the rumours are true, we might have a Ranger Bond next. So, um, yeah. What's a Ranger? I'm, I'm, I'm unfamiliar uh, with this phrase. <laughs> Australian terminology for a redhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that it'll never happen. Not, not, not a the redhead, yeah. but the guy you're referring to never happened. Idris Elba has orange hair? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, haven't you seen that new uh, movie with him with the orange hair? It's, it's stunning. Idris Elba in Caraton. <laughs> well, Caraton's <laughs> also rumoured to be a... <laughs> Please Bond girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to the very sad moment. It's finally come. We're here to eulogize, <laughs> I guess, a couple of people. Um, eulogizing Pierce Brosnan. Uh, eulogizing. Well, he's not well, dead. For ben. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course he's not dead. He's he could he still has the what Bond Expendables and. He's okay, Connery two to star in Netflix threesomes. Well, or well in all fairness, it. he could die like between now and when we release this episode. So don't say that. Edit point. Pierce Brosnan just died. <laughs> <laughs> we breaking you. Pierce Brosnan has died. But if he really does, it was a joke. We didn't know, folks. Like, well, if it really happens, we'll cut it out. It's eleven forty p.m. the third of December. Uh, For all we know, he's alive. Like right now, we assume so, he's alive. If you read tomorrow, he's dead. Uh, we didn't. We know. didn't kill him. We did not kill Piers Brosnan. And yeah, if that happened, you wouldn't be listening to this right now because we would have edited it out. Hello, just listen. looking at the top stories on news websites. There's nothing here about uh, renowned oh actor Pete Brosnan has died, so I think we're safe. Imagine if you actually went to news.com.au. <laughs> Breaking news. Sadly, though, nobody's looking up whether this person died. Let's eulogize Samantha Bond, too. <laughs> hey! She wouldn't make the news. And, of course, the very sad one, Desmond Llewellyn, which, again, putting together the end titles uh, for World Is Not Enough, very sad. I wanted to include every Desmond Llewellyn quote, but... Uh, well, you probably really could have, it was in five minutes. 
Yeah, um, that w- that would have been the entire end titles, which would have been acceptable. Let's be honest. So I'm gonna start with uh, Desmond Llewellyn. What about uh, poor John Cleese? I guess we could do John Cleese too. He did two movies. I mean, we didn't really eulogize. Let's throw in Jack Wade what while about we're Michael at it. He did Kitchen. <laughs> Michael Kitchen. Let's just eulogize everybody. Colin Salmon. Are we? Are we? Are we going? Did we eulogize Cubby Broccoli last time? Um, yeah, I think we, we eulogized Chubby. Dies, I think we were talking about Chubby. Chubby. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. So we'll leave him out. Uh, eulogize whoever you want. Mainly, let's do Pierce Brosnan and Desmond Llewellyn. And but they're not ben. dead. That's the main thing. And if they are, that's we're right. Sorry. They're not dead. Again, Samantha Bond. Oh, might Desmond be. Llewellyn is dead. Sadly. Wait, yeah, I guess that's... So we can eulogize him. <laughs> so not- Enough with the death. Nobody's nobody's going to... Everybody else is going to go home and want to sw- slit their wrists. We're, I think this- <laughs> we're tearing away their childhood. <laughs> the, chances, the chances of all of these people being dead, like unless there's some Pierce Brosnan era reunion where some reason ISIS is like <laughs> taken hold of and killed everyone. ISIS blows up the 1995 to 2002 <laughs> decade reunion. How do I live? I that's my that's my uh, eulogy to Desmond Llewellyn. How do I live? It's very depressing. <laughs> but we know that Judy Dench is alive because she's immortal. So we'll save <laughs> yeah. her for the next one. Is she a vampire uh, or is she just? <laughs> <laughs> At this rate, are we ever going to eulogize her? I mean, she died in in Skyfall, and we still see her Inspector. But um... spoiler, she'll be eulogizing us. She's around forever. <laughs> yeah, hello. This is Judy, a special host vampires for don't have Just eulogize. She's gonna be talking. She's gonna be doing a podcast fifty years from now, talking about how Ben Waterworth would be okay if you slap a wig on him. <laughs> <laughs> I think vampires do have short hair. Dracula has short, slick black He's a man. hair. Man, oh, oh, no. had long hair in an interview with a vampire. So did Brad. Pitt. Name one short-haired woman vampire. Name one woman vampire. Uh, what's the name from True Blood? Pam. Ah, Bride of uh, Frankenstein. Salma Hayek in From Dust Till Dawn. Isn't Bella in Mrs. Twilight Frankie. a vampire? Oh, I don't fucking watch that shit. Lady Lady <laughs> Gaga in That's... American Horror Story right now is a vampire. There you go. Let's just let's just backtrack for a second. That is such a guy thing to do. You bring up something to do with Twilight, which everybody has the knowledge it exists, but if you even bring up Twilight, you feel the need to back up. I don't know anything about that, just so you're aware. <laughs> what? Vampire? <laughs> Let's move on quickly. I want to start a petition to get Samantha Bond to play head zombie on The Walking Dead because I think she'd do a good job. I think she she did an episode of uh, one of the spinoffs of Doctor Who playing uh, a kind of... A zombie vampire? Well, kind of just a really vicious alien woman. Did she use a cigar and masturbate? It was a kid's show, so I don't think so, but <laughs> there may be a director's cut Blue out there. Blue is the lesbian room. Blue is the alien lesbian room. <laughs> I can't wait till we get alien to our episode of watching spin-offs from Bond Girls, and we'll have to sit down and watch Blue is the warmest color. <laughs> um, so, what? how long was her hair when she played Psycho Alien Lesbian? <laughs> it, was, it was a decent length, long enough for Ben. <laughs> long enough to make a believable alien, let's just say. Yeah. Because no self-respected alien has short hair. Except anyway. for the ones who have no hair, which I think is all Except of them. Except for Yoda. Like Independence Day. And... <laughs> Yoda has a little bit of fluff. Yeah, Yoda's, Yoda's got a, a horseshoe. He's. <laughs> Why are we talking about Yoda's hair? Let's continue with episode of Bond, we must. For, for like the 10th time. Bond, Yoda. <laughs> the 
to the eulogy. <laughs> Colin's getting frustrated. It was sad when Yoda died. That's the saddest part yeah. of Return of the Jedi. Ah, spoiler! Oh. Whoops. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, eulogy. Alright, so... Uh, eulogize whoever you want in this, but make sure to talk about Desmond and Pierce. Um, Pierce, you can't say enough good things about him, even if you hate the guy. I mean, he is... I, I, I've heard it said before, you know, whoever was the Bond that you grew up with was the one you'll be attached to, and that's definitely true with Pierce Brosnan. I mean, I have Dino the Day ranked pretty much at the bottom of my rankings. Tomorrow Never Dies, I was indifferent on. Loved his other two. I mean, it's really not that he's above any of the other Bonds. I mean, there's at least two Roger Moores that I absolutely love. There's at least two or three Sean Connerys I love. There's going to be at least two Daniel Craigs I love. And it's not the movies he did that sells him. It's the fact that this is the guy I grew up watching. And in part, I mean, I think we all sort of got into Bond watching the you know Sean Connerys throughout it. But being able to get excited and seeing him you know on TV promoting it, that's something that... Uh, I think all of us were able to experience growing up, and it's something that definitely is a deciding factor. And when somebody asks you, who's your favorite Bond? Is he the greatest Bond of all time? No, but is he my favorite? As an actor, probably. He's the one that I'll be most likely to watch You know, when he does a chick flick threesome on Netflix. <laughs> and, uh, uh, he's the one that if he's on, if I'm looking through the TV shows and I see he's on a talk show, I'm going to watch Pierce Brosnan no matter what. And... Please. Something's clicking in the background say, there. like playing Minesweeper or something, right? <laughs> it was on like an exercise bike or something. <laughs> He's getting can, in pure shape. Can we just say that I, I think I've cracked the code on Lee Tamahori. Do you think he got the idea from watching Mrs. Doubtfire? And hey, I can do that. Um, what? What? No? Throw throw fruit at Pierce Brosnan's head? Give him well, pepper? Are we? Are we forgetting the fact that uh, Lee Tamahori dressed up as a? woman and gave a cop a blowjob. Oh, right. Okay, yes. What does this have to do with Pierce Brosnan, though? Um, <laughs> it's got to do with what are you that film? What are you clicking and talking? Why, why are you clicking feverishly and talking about blowjobs? What What blowjob <laughs> cross-dressing movie was Pierce in? <laughs> Mamma Mia. <laughs> I'm so uh, confused. This is more confusing on. than Yoda. <laughs> um... <laughs> What? Yoda I'm... gave a blowjob to me. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why Count Dooku turned to the dark side? <laughs> Luke, trust me, part of the training it is. Oh, Ooh, spot of sticky you have left. This is officially the lowest point. The Jedi, you point. won't be unless you do as I say. And zippy zippy. Did we really need to turn Yoda into a child molester? <laughs> hang on, hang on. Why, why is it no one saying it's not me? Yoda's 900 years old. Luke is, what, 19? <laughs> I guess there is a bit of an age gap. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what else I have to say. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else I have to say on Pierce. Um, Pierce is the man, let's be honest, and... He reinvented Bond. Bond would never have been the same without him. It probably wouldn't have existed. I mean, they tried, you know, Timothy Dalton. Let's just get a really respected actor. But it takes more than a respected actor. Uh, it takes somebody who really... And this isn't me saying Pierce is better than, for anybody out there who thinks Dalton's the best. It takes somebody who really understands the whole character. Because any actor is going to take a while to get used to it. 
Roger Moore took a while to get used to it. And Roger Moore was the most experienced anybody going in. The fact that Pierce had played this kind of cocky character like uh, Bond before with Remington Steele is one of the reasons that GoldenEye took off. Because would anybody have followed Bond again, you know, six years later, uh, if you didn't have the right actor in there? And I think Pierce Brosnan is the thing that sells this franchise to the general public. It's not Martin Campbell. It's not, you know, we're relaunching Bond. It's definitely not Sean Bean or uh, Famke Janssen. Pierce Brosnan was a selling point. And even the fact that he was in there before and he came back, I mean, he's the reason that we have James Bond today, and I don't think he could ever be forgotten for that. Uh, Desmond Llewellyn, I mean, nobody has done as many Bond movies as he has. Nobody has spent as long in a role as he has. And if he were still alive today, he'd still be playing Q. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And nobody will ever top this. I mean, this isn't even a thing with money pennies where it's like, yeah, Lois Maxwell is money penny but Naomi Harris can get close and uh, the bond? Barry Manilow can get close but with Desmond Llewellyn there will never be anybody who touches this, this is, even Sean Connery doesn't hold that type of place with a character um, as far as Samantha Bond uh, most recent news story I ended up in the hospital thanks to a centipede uh, I don't know what that story is but it's from McLean's magazine Canadian Connection and <laughs> Less eulogize it by saying a centipede almost killed Samantha Bond. <laughs> she thought it was a cigar. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, that almost did. Uh, let's start with Alien Queen herself, Samantha. Um, uh, yeah, not my favorite. Nothing to do with the length of her hair. I just don't like the direction they took the money penny in. And just frankly, the actor kind of annoys me. I don't know if I've ever seen her in anything else, but in these films, she just kind of annoys me. Like the Baron Manilow money penny is pretty terrible, but she's not annoying. She's just there. Um, that being said, she had some decent scenes with Brosnan. Like Goldeneye was pretty good, and Tomorrow Never Dies wasn't too bad. But I would probably rank her last on the money pennies, um, or equal with. Um, Barry Manilow um, but Naomi Harris is definitely a better money penny than Samantha Bond I just don't like what they did with the character especially in Die Another Day still awkward to think of that scene um, who else Desmond Llewellyn uh, what can you really say we've talked about him so much one thing I'm just kind of upset he never got to be in the 40th anniversary 20th film that would have been cool to have a cameo um, indeed but of it, yeah. Well, obviously that would not happen. Um, they could have made it work. Um, him or yeah, let's not go there. Um, I uh, yeah, I I think he had run his course. But you're right; no one will ever replace him. He's just fantastic. And yeah, there may be some classic cues, but in the future, but he's always going to be Q. John Cleese. I don't think he would have worked in the Daniel Craigs, but I'm also kind of upset he didn't get to stick around for a bit longer because he definitely had more than one film in him as Q. Like, obviously, he was in two, but that first one was just horrible. He doesn't count in that. But he did a really good job in Die Another Day, and it's a little bit of a Desmond Llewellyn imitation, but he made it the role his own. 
And now I'm thinking, well, if they tone the character down a little bit, would he have worked in Casino Royale? Maybe. Probably not. But I, uh, just, it leaves me with a bit of a sour note that that's his final Bond film and that they couldn't have done another Brosnan, Brosnan Clee. The Brosnan Clee stench uh, team just works really good. Um, Brosnan. I don't want to spoil our ranking things, but he's not my favourite. Um, but I think there's definitely something in you in what you say that you grow an attachment to the ones that you grow up with and the ones you're introduced to. And this was Brosnan for me. And for the longest time, Brosnan was James Bond. And to me, even though he's not my favourite, Brosnan still is James Bond. I still haven't, after 10 years, gotten used to the fact that Daniel Craig is the Bond because to me when I think of Bond I think of Pierce Brosnan as the quintessential through the films that I watched when I was younger and through the GoldenEye video game it's just he is Bond that's who I first got to know but saying that that doesn't just make him my favourite just because I was introduced to him but there's definitely a sense of nostalgia and attachment there um I think he's a really good James Bond. Again, not my favourite, but he handles comedy. He handles action. He does it all. There's a, a little something off for me with Brosnan. I can't pinpoint it, but I just think he he captured the role so well, and no matter, no wonder they wanted him so much for the job after it, when Dalton almost got it and then got it and then whatever. So, um, yeah, I, I like Brosnan. I think he's a great Bond. I don't necessarily love his films i would have liked to have seen a few more classics for brosnan like if they kept the trend of having tomorrow never dies goldeneye style films for i don't know six or seven films that could have been great but by the time it got to die another day i honestly think that the producers made the right decision in booting brosnan even though it's a kind of a sad way to go for him and Probably the saddest because he's the only the really one that's ever been fired from the role, although George Lazenby is debatable, um, which is sad because you can't fire Pierce Brosnan. But I think they ultimately made the right decision, even though I wouldn't mind seeing another one from him. I think um, until Daniel Craig ends up slitting his wrists and actually getting fired, like, no, Daniel, put the knife down, you're fired. Um, yeah. Uh, look, uh Good bed moment. What, what, uh, what was what was that in reference to? Says the man who talked about Yoda giving a blowjob. Um, oh, I generally want to know what you were just talking about. You said about getting fired, and I was trying to imply that Daniel Craig will get fired. Never mind, it's past. Uh, I'll get to... He could just kiss <laughs> Suzuki and threaten to jump out the window. I'll get to the main folks soon. Uh, first of all... Uh, Michael Kitchen, best Bill Tanner we've ever had. Um, no offence to uh-huh. new Bill Tanner. I like new Bill Tanner, but I still like uh, Michael. He's, I think, the best, underutilised. Um, Robinson, I always love Robinson. He's, again, underutilised. He's Yeah, he's Tanner 2.0, but I don't know. I always liked him. I always enjoyed his character. Um yeah, uh, where are we? Q, uh, John Cleese Q, first of all. Uh, get stuff, Niall Gross. He's awesome in the world, is not enough. We went over that. Um, yeah, I, I, we went over it in one of the episodes before where I thought John Cleese kind of was just, he was the perfect replacement. I still think he was, and yeah, I agree. I think we were robbed of having him in more films, and th- that's more Bond films, not the Roger Moore films. Um, I, I think that he, I don't know, Casino Royale, but you could bring him back like, 
Skyfall quant I don't know. Like I feel he could work with Craig. I feel there's something there he could. I don't know if Casino Royale is really the film to do that, but I don't know. I just I see that that would work, and he he could be in in this era of films similar how they brought obviously Judy back. Um, Desmond, yeah, look, there's not a whole lot to add that hasn't been added. Uh, he's, he's just a legend. He's just an utter, utter legend. Um, I was reading sort of on that trivia that I was the other day that apparently he did express interest of being in Bond 20, but sadly, obviously he couldn't because he died. But, um, yeah, it would have been, I mean, that would have been the perfect one for him to go out on too, wouldn't it? 20, I guess, having been in what, 18 of them. So, um, yeah, sad that didn't happen. And Pierce, well, I've, I think I've said it all really when it comes to Pierce. Um, you know, he's, he's the best and he just, I think kind of going on his overall performances and everything too, I I kind of also can put it out there. I think he's probably the one Bond that first film, he's comfortable in it straight away and he rolls with it. Um, I kind of am a bit higher up on GoldenEye in terms of his performance, I think, than you two maybe let out to. I think you both kind of implied that you didn't think he was quite comfortable in the role yet. I, I disagree. I think he would just fit into it straight away, and he had no issue with it. Um, and, yeah, it's it's kind of sad the way you put that, Noah, that he's sort of really the only Bond to get fired. And, again, everything or nothing. You haven't seen the documentary, just kind of, yeah, his reactions to it. It's, it's kind of a bit heartbreaking, uh, you know, as a fan of the man. Fan of the man. Um, so yeah, I, I look and it's, it's kind of interesting though, cause yeah, of course I would have liked to have more Pierce in terms of another movie, but you know, his age, you know, he, we sort of mentioned die another day. He'd sort of slightly looking like he'd get old and I didn't want him to become a Roger Moore where at least, you know, he's, he's grandpa Brosnan, but, um, you know, as much as I would have liked to see him in another film, maybe four films was, was enough and perhaps bring him in a little bit earlier than 95 and give him a extended run but um yeah sad sad that's it for pierce did you even talk about samantha bond? oh samantha bond shit um <laughs> you've been badgering <laughs> us to include her in this segment i love samantha bond second greatest money penny of all time i don't care what you say noah um i don't know there's just something about her betrayal of the character that i really liked even the masturbating scene whatever um, and I think the the um, the charisma, the the chemistry—that's what I'm thinking of—between her and and Brosnan is just it's second to none as well. And I think we we needed more. We needed more Brosnan and and Samantha Bond scenes. Um, you know, more playful ones. You know, like Goldeneye or World Is Not Enough. You know, did you bring me back? What did you bring me? Engaging chocolates. Like I don't know. It's nice, but yeah, Samantha Bond. <laughs> did we? Yes. I think if we've learned one thing about Ben on these podcasts is that if there was a scene where Samantha Bond had sex with a blinking fish, he would try to defend it somehow. Oh, oh and actually, hang on. I forgot to mention one person, too. Uh, one person that's very, very important. Um, you know, she only played a very small role, but the fact that, you know, she introduced a gold medalist from Sydney and needed the back of a top tied up, uh, I really think oh. we were robbed of having more oh. Madonna on screen. So, uh, yeah, Verity, very important character. We need more of her. That's the funniest joke you've ever seen. Thank you, Noah. That means means a lot to me. Um, I guess the second half of our era episodes here is just covering what our favorites were for all of the uh, staple elements of the Bond series. So let's start off, and Ben will be happy because the woman he just mentioned could maybe be included in this. Um, 
the Bond girls and I think Noah or Ben, one of you two, somebody other than me was talking about um, how uh, the the Bond girls were, were definitely like amped up in these movies and given not necessarily complex characters, but unique characters and maybe a little bit more screen time and uh, were more memorable overall. So the, the trickiest thing about this is we have the best main Bond girl and the best secondary Bond girl and there's not... Oh, not only will I have four films, but we have some that kind of, where do they fit in here? Um, we could obviously say that Natalia is a main Bond girl. Waylin is a main Bond girl. Um, Electra, I think that she can be included as both a villain and a main Bond girl. Uh, you could technically make the argument that Christmas Jones is a main Bond girl but as well. But none of us well, are going to be voting for her, so... <laughs> Yeah, so let's just not even mention her. Well, I personally view Christmas as the main Bond girl and Electra as the villain. Uh, you could really look at it both ways. Because, I mean, if you're looking at Bond girl... If, if if a character has to basically end up with Bond in the end to be the main Bond girl, then what are we going to do with Quantum of Solace? So I think just the one that has the most significance. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, let's take your pick on that. But... Uh, then there's Die Another Day, Jinx, and you'll, you'll realize, yeah. Noah, there's a reason why I'm including Electric King in there. <laughs> We're talking up how good the Bond girls are, but there's a lot of misses in these. And uh, I think with the secondary ones, there's, you include whoever you want. Obviously, I don't think we could really include Xenia, unfortunately. Um, she's more of a henchman. I don't think she really does anything with Bond other than try to kill him. Plague ripen. And then there's... Yeah... <laughs> And then there's the uh, the other one, or not the, the real other one, Paris Carver, uh, Miranda Frost. Can we count her as a secondary Bond girl? She's mm. an ally for most of it. And uh, am I missing anybody? Like this is the thing we, we talked it up. Molly Warm kind of Flash to come up. <laughs> yeah, Molly Warm Flash, the the therapist in the beginning of Goldeneye, I guess. The, the Danish um, brushing up on a little Danish. Yeah, mini driver. Verity. Uh, mini driver. And, uh, <laughs> mini driver. Yeah. I want to play Verity. This is going to be a very obvious one for me. Again, I said it, you could kind of debate it, but I'll include her in here because I think really Waylon's good in some areas, but not a very interesting character. Natalia is an interesting character, but not that interesting to watch on screen. Electra King takes his hands down if you're including her. There's nobody who can touch her. Uh, Jinx should never have been in this series. Christmas Jones is... I I've said, I, I think, uh, with a different actress, the character's not that hated. But even with a great actress, if you have Rosamund Pike playing Christmas Jones, it's a forgotten character. So uh, it's, it's Electra King's the only one, I think, that really can touch this category for me. Uh, so much for the order we established off here, but anyway. Um... <laughs> Again! Colin, read your pre-production anyway. notes! <laughs> uh, for the main book, <laughs> I love how he specifically... <laughs> we called him out before the episode. No, no yeah. remember, Colin, what do we do? Oh, okay, oh yeah, yeah I know what to do. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say Electra only because I don't count her as a, I, like, I'm, I'm allowing it in 
uh, other people's entrance. Bowing, but I... <laughs> You're bowing our opinion. I'll allow you to have that opinion. Referee grows. Um, but I, I don't consider it. Um, so ask me again in the villains. Um, but let me talk this time. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say... I do like Waylin because she is a Bond equal, but she's not better than Bond. But I'm going to say um, uh, Natalia. I just I really like her introduction, and I like how she's an equal, but really not in any way in the workforce or anything like that. But she's heavily involved in the plot, and I think she's a great character. No, nobody's talking about the secondary girls here. And secondary Bond girl. Um, who are they? Peaceful Molly Warmflash, Peaceful Fountains of Desire, uh, Molly Warmflash, Tomorrow Never Dies. Who was it in Paris that? Carver. Oh yeah, <laughs> the other woman. <laughs> Did Golden Eye have one outside of Xenia and and Car Woman? Uh, mini Driver. Mini Driver. <laughs> She's not a secondary Bond girl. She's a like in one scene. Hey, we know uh, that she was strangling the cat after that scene ended. <laughs> Paris Carver, just by default. Randa Frost? Uh, I consider her more of a henchwoman. Yeah. Well, for, for the second half, I mean, the first half, she's definitely... Like, she's Bond's ally, and she's sleeping with him, so I... So Electra? And she's my choice, because I forgot to give that. That's how messed up I am on our format here. Um. Yeah, I'm going to put Electra in the villains, too. Sorry, Colin. Um, and Miranda... Eh, eh. Um, I don't dislike Miranda. I mean, she's hot, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, I would have put Natalia had you not voted for Natalia Noah. But, um, well, I've got to spread... I don't think you understand how this works. I don't give a flying <laughs> blinking fish. We... We must answer every possible answer. Oh, he's taken Natalia. I can't answer that. Well, whatever. I'm t- I'm putting Jinx up. <laughs> ben Jinx, aren't you terrible? Oh. Um, I love the Jinx character. I changed my answer. Will you change yours to Natalia? No. Um, <laughs> I love the Jinx character. I love Halle Berry. Her character fits the style of movie that Die Another Day is. Um, if she was either from Russia with love, of course she's not going to fit. Um, but... She fits in Die Another Day, so um, yeah, go get a blowjob from Yoda. Um, secondary girl, uh, I'm not going to put up Verity. I do love Verity. Come on, but no, it's got to be Terry. It's got to be Paris. Oh, you don't know how this works, Ben. Um, but look, I, I just no. I think you got it that. Time. <laughs> I, 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 I love Terry Hatcher, as I said in the episode, and and Paris Carver. I just, there's just something about the character that I like. She's in it for the, you know, perfect amount of time. As much as you joke, she's in it for three seconds. She still had two more seconds in Monica Bellucci Inspector. So, um, yeah, hashtag pray for Paris. Uh, I love you, Terry Hatcher Carver. And so did John Tenney. I'm, I, I said, you know, I forgot to talk about Randa Frost. I talked about her a lot in the Die Another Day episode, and I think that's for a reason because she is the best thing about that movie. And as far as I'm concerned, and, uh, I think just to make an argument here, I, like I think the credits, that we're, yeah, it's good remix. Uh, I think that we're doing, uh, I think we're doing a disservice to one of the things that we mentioned earlier on. If we don't include people like Electra and, uh, Miranda, because we talked about how this, this era really gave the bond girls something interesting to do. And 
if we're boxing in Bond girls to the point well where they can't be a villain, I mean, I understand not including Xenia because I mean she doesn't really sleep with Bond if that's one of the prerequisites. But you take Electra and Miranda, you have all the prerequisites there. It's somebody who's an ally of Bond at one point, and the fact they turn out to be villains, I don't think that diminishes, especially with Electra, because let's not forget the final moment with Electra in the movie is Bond killing her, but then kind of mourning over her body. So, I mean, if she's not included, then can, when we get to Casino Royale, can we include Vesper? Uh, I I would definitely put both those yes. up, and that's just my argument for those two. Good point, but anyway. I think we can also easily uh, argue the same for villain as well. Yeah, let's box women back into that <laughs> that category. You're the one who coined the phrase boxing women. Uh, <laughs> what? When did I coin that? As soon as I talk, Colin wants to box them. <laughs> Oh my this god! All right, let's move on. Best villain and the best henchman. So for the main villains, we've got uh, Alec, or you could maybe make a case for Oromov, uh, but he's maybe more of a henchman. Um, you've got Elliot Carver. You've got Electra King or Renard. It's up to you. Um, are we going to say Renard's a Bond girl too now? Um, <laughs> And you've, He's not and a girl. I think that's the first prerequisite. Well, how do you know? Have you seen between well, his legs? Is it ever? Do they ever call him him? Well, does he ever sleep with? <laughs> He's Bond? got no hair. Could be like Samantha Bond's sister. <laughs> Slap a wig on Ben. He's good to go. <laughs> and Gustav Graves uh, for the main villains and for the henchmen. Um, what we've got: Uramov, maybe, and very confusing decade, and Zenya. And then we've got Stamper and Hoffman, Boris. Um, we've got Renard, Davidov, <laughs> um, and then Miranda Frost and Zal. And because I'm a good boy, I'm not going to answer for. Oh, you're learning. Um, villain. I'm not the one who needs to learn. Villain, 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 <laughs> villain. Oh, it's difficult. Um. It's between Trevelyan and Electra for me. Um, yeah. Gotta be Trevelyan. He's Sean Bean. I mean, come on. Like, yeah. But Electra nearly there. Um, henchman. Oh, this is, this is actually harder than I thought it would be for Henchman. I mean, Davidov's pretty awesome. Um, but, uh, Stamper. Uh, no, what am I talking about? Xenia's going to take this one. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing at that. Um, yeah, no, she's ultimately the second greatest henchman slash woman in the history of James Bond. So, um, yeah, she shits all over the competition, even though we've actually got some fairly good henchmen. This is probably something we didn't talk about too much, is that it's fairly, you know, decent and sadistic bunch of these people. Uh, special note to Davidov, because he needs some extra love. I think I did talk about it quite a bit because I grouped it into two of our categories earlier about how good the henchmen were. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't pay attention to pre-production. Ben doesn't pay attention during production. <laughs> What's this? What are we doing? Let's uh, let's uh, talk about the villains. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think that both Elektra and Renard can count for this. Um, one's kind of the main villain for the first half, one's the main villain. I mean, it, it's as confusing as Koskoff and uh, whoever that other guy in <laughs> Living Daylights was. Brad Whitaker, yeah. <laughs> Jack Wade's father. 
But um, yeah, I think they're both included. And I always looked at it in the past that, I mean, my answer would have always been Alec. Uh, probably mostly just because it is Sean Bean and I love Sean Bean. But I always kind of made the argument that if you grouped Elektra and Renard together, they are the greatest villain uh, of all time. But I don't think that, on this recent rewatch, I don't think that Elektra needs Renard. I think that Elektra is the most fascinating villain this series has had in so long. And I'm going to be really interested, you know, I I had a high opinion of her coming in. And just after recapping the movie, it's just getting higher and higher. I think I would easily put her above Alec just for one reason. I think that Alec, and this isn't a criticism of Goldeneye. There's so much going on in Goldeneye. You don't need a villain that strong. Whereas World is on enough. There's maybe not that much going on, and you do need a villain that strong, but Alec kind of peaks when the reveal is done with his character. Uh, And that's not to say that he doesn't have good moments, but that's the most interesting thing you find out, and from that point on, it's like, okay, well, now he's the villain. Whereas Elektra, every scene she has after the reveal of her being a villain, it just gets more and more interesting, and you find out more and more about her. You know, the point where the, the last two scenes, it's really just, as I talked about in the episode, just showing how full of herself she is and how, you know, she thinks nobody can resist her and, you know, there's no way Bond would kill her. Like, she honestly is just so high on herself and believes herself to be so powerful. It's 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 actually very fascinating to watch. So, uh, Elektra, I think, takes his hands down and I never thought I could say anybody over Alec. Uh, for Henchmen, yeah, I mean, I love Zhao. Uh, I, I definitely talked about him a lot coming in. I talked about him a lot during the episode. Uh, I wish I could talk about him more. I mean, I think that Zhao is just a fantastic henchman, and it was really a return to a Jaws-type character. But if we're being honest, nobody does take this over Xenia. And we, we said how we covered everything there was to talk about in GoldenEye, but we could have gone on forever. And Xenia's one of those characters. I mean, just when I was putting together the end titles again, just pulling all the quotes for her, it was just interesting to watch how strong Famke Jansen's performance was and little things she did that I could talk about for an hour, like just the, the how annoyed she seems at Pierce when she finally does get bested. There's just so much going on with that character. It's so much fun. Uh, she's the easy choice. And this may be the first time that all three of us have agreed on something. Uh, I haven't answered yet. Well, that's why I said maybe. <laughs> Thank Zenia. Um, there you go. <laughs> and I'll keep it simple. Alec. Um, just because I think the the entire cast and especially the villains of GoldenEye is just that good that they play off each other so well and really Alec and Xenia don't have too much to do with each other they're in a few scenes but when they are it just works so well and then you chuck in Oromov there and Boris I just I really enjoy uh, them as as a unit of villains so I'm just going to stick with them but Electra is quite good as well but I don't think she tops Alec uh, right, that's me, isn't it? Hello, I read these notes. Um, so, we're into Best Ally now. Um, we had a few, uh, I guess, if you look outside of the Tanners and the Money Pennies, etc., uh, etc. Et uh, Jack Wade was there. Do we count Mishkin as a as a ally? If you want, I don't think he'll make my answer. Right, sure. Um, Robinson, of course. Sikovsky. Um, what's his name? Tomorrow Never Dies. Grumpy old bastard man. The Admiral. We've sort of an ally. Um, I guess you could count Robert King, even though he gets blown up. Um, then we've got uh, Mr. Chang in Die Another Day. Michael Madsen. What was his name? Um, 
Falco, um, oh, cool. Raul, uh, Verity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Verity is an ally. I think she's more just a character. Um, but yeah, so they're kind of our allies. Not the strongest uh, period for allies, perhaps with the exception of maybe two, two and a half there. Yeah, I think uh, this is one time where you almost want to break the rule and say, let's include an MI6 crew in there, because M would take this hands down, especially with how they wrote her character. But, I mean, it's interesting to go from kind of a villain or henchman, whatever you want to call them, into an ally. Suzukovsky is the obvious choice for me here. Um, Not just because, you know, that, that they use him twice, but... Even just in World is Not Enough alone, I think that he stands up and there's so many good moments that he has in that movie and he improves a lot of scenes that otherwise would drag a little bit. The exposition near the end uh, when they are in Ensemble, he he owns that stuff. Uh, The line where he comes in, you know, I'm looking for uh, a submarine is big and black and the driver's a good friend of mine. Yeah, Robbie Coltrane's fantastic, and I think these movies needed more characters like him, uh, stronger allies, and maybe pull back a little bit on you know, some of the other characters just to give us a strong ally, because Die Another Day, Raul, I mean, if, if he had had Zukovsky-like screen time in Die Another Day, I might be answering him. It's just there's not enough for him to do in that, for him to really be up there. So Zukovsky's just such an obvious answer for this one. Uh, yeah, speak of obvious answers, it's got to be Zakovsky. He's just a unique ally, um, plus the competition isn't strong for this one, but he's. I like the ones like Draco and stuff like that where they're not quite good guys. Like Bond has to team up with kind of, not baddies, but not the best of people, um, and that's what makes them interesting characters. And I like that you get to see a bit of growth where he's there in the original one. Now he's got a casino and uh, he kind of has this unique relationship with Bond that I really like. Um, Who knows if they would have brought him back or if he really died at the end there, but it has to be Valentin. Such a great ally. Um, I I agree with Colin about Raul. I think he could have been a much bigger, greater character, but sadly there's not enough there to include him. Uh, real, real special props and mentions to Jack Wade. I think I'm the only one who's super, super high on him. I love his character, um, and I just think he's hilarious and he's still helpful and, and necessary. But, yeah, clean sweep on the Zukovsky love. Um, just just such a great, rounded character. He's funny. He's serious. He's a bit of a hard ass. He's, you know, helpful. And, yeah, just he's, he's fantastic. And it's it's kind of... You know, Robbie Coltrane obviously is very well known as Hagrid nowadays, but I, I remember seeing the first Harry Potter movie going, it's Zukovsky! So, and he's obviously been in other things besides those two things, I realise that. But, um, yeah, definitely uh, Valentin Dmitriov Zukovsky. And now let's just jump into the pre-title sequences, uh, which is really interesting to look at the Pierce Brosnan era, just how these evolved the fact that they're so involved into the storylines and then the world is not enough kind of started something interesting that's continued on now, or at least was brought back with Skyfall and Spectre. That's just these being these massive mini movies and the world is not enough was kind of an accident. And then they, it was popular enough. They followed it with die another day. So, uh, gold and I had, you know, very story focused, uh, Alex death and the, the 
factory and uh, the the plane and the bungee. Timor never dies. The arms bazaar and again escaping a plane and on the boat chase. <laughs> Sorry, Colin, I didn't mean to interrupt. Just Noah's what? moving house, I think. <laughs> I don't think you could hear us either. Sorry, continue. So the world's not enough. The boat chase, uh, which wasn't even intended to be the pre-title sequence, and really changed the Bond movies. And then Die Another Day in the second greatest hovercraft scene we've ever seen. Um, and uh, angry Korean colonel and uh, save Save by the Bell and all that. So uh, those are our pre-title sequences. And pick and choose. And I will not go first. <laughs> oh, you might as well. No. Um... I really, really love the boat chase, um, but this is going to go to GoldenEye because it's really unique in the whole six years or nine years earlier, and I love the bungee jump. You just cannot say enough about that. Plus, it's got some funny moments in it, and we introduced Alec right off the bat. It's the first Brosnan scene ever, uh, so it has to be GoldenEye for the pre-titles, um, but World is Not Enough is up there for the boat chase. Um the Brosnan era is unique in that we have two films that feature the the main villain sort of pre-titles, and we don't generally have that really a lot in a lot of films. So um, 50% of his films feature the guy he basically has to kill at the end, die another day, obviously slightly different there, but still the same person. Um, this isn't a question for me. It's definitely The World Is Not Enough because this, to me, is up there as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, pre-title sequence of all time. So, um, But all of them are enjoyable. Bit of a prop, Tomorrow Never Dies. Doesn't get a whole lot of love, I guess, but it's still kind of entertaining with the planes and it's a nice little bit there. And I love the hovercraft. Don't care what you say. It's great. And the bungee jump, what can't you love about it? But, yeah, World Is Not Enough, hands down, takes the cake with that one. I'll just say I don't dislike the Die Another Day one. I just think it's it's flatter than it was 13 years ago. It's the unfortunate thing of the movie aging poorly. Um, but overall, I like all of them, and uh, even including Tomorrow Never Dies. I, I always thought that Tomorrow Never Dies deserved more credit because it was just fun and very disconnected from the rest of the movie, as we found out maybe not so much. But, yeah, it's tough for me. I definitely see uh, what Noah's talking about, about you know Alec and everything and... I just think if you're if you're ranking the two against each other, I would go with World's Not Enough, uh, just because that boat chase is incredible and it's really something they'd never done in a Bond movie before. Just this one massive action sequence, and it did change the Bond movies forever. And uh, without that, I don't think we have the train sequence in uh, Skyfall, and we don't have the uh, uh, the helicopter part in Spectre, and. Certainly, the pre-title sequences are probably not as interesting going forward. So, uh, world's not enough, definitely for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> Is it past Noah's bedtime again? <laughs> no. All right. Next up, we have the main theme song, which you know, they're obvious. Golden Eye, Tomorrow Never Dies. It was not enough. Die another day. Which that won't be the answer. And also the title sequence, which may be the same, may be different. They speak for themselves. Um, I fucking love all four of these songs, so this is probably the hardest one of these I'll ever have to do. Um, Sequence, title sequence, um, 
Yeah, I, I, I think it was a huge improvement. I liked the style they went with them. We talked about computer graphics and everything before, and I enjoyed all of them. I think they all fit into the film very well, though I did kind of go down slightly on the world as enough credits. Um, it's between GoldenEye and Die Another Day for me. I'm going to give it to Die Another Day just because I think it's a bit unique, just kind of with the Scorpion Tales and the women and the story and obviously the actual titles. I, I just I really did not like it when I first saw it, but it always grows on me. Ah, oh, song. Um, yeah, look, I said it in the episode that it was my favourite out of all the Bond themes, and I'll have to stick with it. Tomorrow Never Dies, it's still my favourite. Um, I just love the song. I just can never put a finger on what it is about it. There's just so many bits about it that I enjoy, and just Cheryl Crow, and just the song and the music, and it just incorporates a lot, but... Yeah, um, I I assume what to, you were going to vote for. Um, but yeah, the special, obviously, note to World is Not Enough. It's a great song. Shirley Manson, Garbage, fantastic. Tina Turner, Born to Do a Bond song, fantastic. And Don't Care What You Say, Screw You's All. You's All, I'm a bogan now. Um, Madonna, Die Another Day, it's fantastic. Um, second best out of all of these. Uh, yeah, no. Um <laughs> <laughs> Said nobody other than Ben ever or Madonna. <laughs> Even Madonna hates the song. Probably. She doesn't actually. She said it's one of his best songs she's ever recorded. So, yeah, uh, what a catalog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How's your music career going, Colin? Uh, Good. All right. Yeah. Better than Madonna's. Um, <laughs> uh, we heard my my uh, clip at the beginning of the show. Da, 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 I can't, that I can't I wait to go see you perform at Rod Laver Arena next year in March. I'll, I'll be looking forward yeah. to it. I didn't know you were a pop diva, Colin. Now you know. It's anyway. just Colin. No last name. <laughs> Colin. That's right. Um, I just imagine Colin walking out of the stage. I'm gonna wake up <laughs> like a virgin. <laughs> yeah. Colin do... sings the I, hits of Madonna. <laughs> I'd rather do like a virgin than die another day, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> There's a reason why. Die another day, as we said, is like the worst song so in Come on, history. It's uh thanks for that. Man. <laughs> uh no, Die Another Day is so bad. I can't wait till we do the rankings of the Bond themes and <laughs> up on the very bottom of both mine and Noah's. But there's there's one answer for both and that's Goldeneye. The Goldeneye song is so good and I'm not I'm not that down on Tomorrow Never Dies and World's Not Enough for the themes. Um I'm not that down on the actual title sequences for Die Another Day or World's Not Enough. Uh, I think Tomorrow Never Dies on a rewatch. It doesn't look so good. But uh, yeah, the songs were okay during this era. But GoldenEye is so far above the others. And uh, it's probably the only one. And I'll include most of the Daniel Craig's in here. I think if you're looking at the last 20 years, I think Skyfall and GoldenEye are the classic Bond themes. And uh, I think that Skyfall and goldeneye are probably the classic title sequences too and there's so much going on in the goldeneye one is it's just it's still hilarious to watch and the graphics have definitely continued but i don't think until we get to specter we really see something that embrace just the absurdity of these title sequences as well as goldeneye did octopus porn octopus porn snuff porn um Um, yeah goldeneye goldeneye not Die another day, don't be silly. Um, I'm not in love with the GoldenEye song, but it is the best of the four, hands down. As for the title sequence, it's probably the only good one. Die another day is okay. 
Um, I just love the imagery of it and the foreshadowing um, and just the falling of the Cold War and entering into a new era of Bond. Um, so I think I'd have to go with Goldeneye for both, which seems to be a recurring trend for me in these Brosnan answers. Okay. Uh, gadget and Q-Scene. Uh, we'll spoil for choice for Q-Scenes. I think two of them made our Hall of Fame from memory. Um and one very nearly did, and looking back on it, probably should have, because um, I think we all... Which one didn't? I uh, the now. Tomorrow Never Dies and Goldeneye ones didn't, and the World Is Not Enough and Die Another Day ones both did. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and in hindsight, I think we all kind of are in agreement that the Goldeneye one was arguably one of the best Q scenes of all time. So, yeah, Goldeneye Q scene, very iconic. We all love that one. Tomorrow Never Dies, sort of at the airport. Um... We have World Is Not Enough, obviously, with Desmond Llewellyn's final one and the introduction of R slash John Cleese. And then Die Another Day uh, with all the relics, uh, the old ones and everything. Gadgets. Um, we had the pen. Uh, we had his belt. Um, his watch, I guess, with the laser. It was the first time he had a laser watch, wasn't it? Um, he had the phone, the remote control car. Um, he had, what else did he have? Um, the, yeah, I've gone kind of, the, the glasses in, what was that enough? I don't know, you love that. Uh, the jacket, of course, it exploded. His, uh, his credit card. The <laughs> um, <laughs> credit card. Um, died of the day. What, what did he have any in Dine of the day? The sonic agitator, the, the, the wow. rebreather came back. Um, do, do we count the virtual reality? <laughs> Is that the thing? Um, you can count it. I don't think we're going to mention it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think there are options here. Well, QC, let's just preface this and say, despite the fact it didn't make the hall of fame, uh, the golden IQ scene that, the only reason it's not in there is because there were so many strong scenes in that movie, and that movie was so strong as a whole. Uh, we're picking three from each movie here, and I think when we ultimately get down to doing the ultimate Hall of Fame, the other Q scenes don't touch this. So uh, GoldenEye is the best Q scene of all time. I still stand by that. But definite props to the other ones. I think all of them were fantastic, and... Tomorrow Never Dies is maybe the forgotten one just because it's it's kind of cue in costume demonstrating one gadget really but uh, the fact that GoldenEye had everything it had the cue lab it had the the things going off in the background which none of the other ones had I mean that was again the staple of the uh, Roger Moore ones I guess is where that was brought in is the the things going off in the background and Smithers getting trapped and beaten and mutilated and uh, I think GoldenEye is the only one that had that, uh, unless we missed some gag in the background. Uh, as far as the best gadget, this is, it's really tough. Um, I think just again, that I always talked about, I have the nostalgia for Tomorrow Never Dies. And uh, the fact that as you know a teenage boy watching this, seeing that you could remote control a car on your cell phone... That has to be it for me because I still think that's the coolest thing ever. And just the fact that Pierce Brosnan sells as well. I mean, you're basically using a keypad and doing nothing else. And Pierce Brosnan, just how much enjoyment he gets out of being James Bond and using that gadget, that sequence is fantastic because of it. Uh, yeah, best Q scene, <laughs> broken down record, but it has to be Goldeneye. 
I just love that for all the reasons Colin talked about. And uh, that's my lunch is one of my favorite moments. Um, Hunting. (laughs) Yeah, but special props to World is Not Enough. Goodbye, IQ. That's a sad but good moment. Um, Taken away by R being there. Get over it. Best gadget. Hmm. It's funny because Brosnan has so many, but there's no standout classics for me. Um, Bungie. Does that count? Um, Yeah, because that was just a James Bond thing. Bungie'd never been there before. Grapple hook. Oh, I'm sure James Bond has Mobile used phone. other things other people have used. I use a credit card, whatever it did, all the time. Um, I'm going to go with the rebreather that they brought back from Die Another Day. I'm sure I'm missing something, though. Um, yeah, we'll have a clean sweep of the Q scenes, I think. Um, special mention to Freddy. <laughs> Let's ask Freddy here. And um, the guy <laughs> in the phone box... And just, just again, subtle little scene when he's trying to explain the belt and Brosnan just randomly starts tapping on a computer. <laughs> Q's just like, are you finished? Just like, you know, he's just a kid. He's just playing with shit. Um, but, yeah, I think all the Q scenes are just notable. They're just fantastic. Even Tomorrow Never Dies, which I, I think, Colin, as you said, is kind of a bit forgotten, but it's there. Um... And, yeah, Die Another Day, special note, obviously the old, all the old gadgets, sort of the throwback there, um, was great. And the gadgets, yeah, it's, I mean, I was going to go with the car, I love the car, um, with the remote control. Um, you can still go with it! <laughs> I don't know how these work. Um, I actually like, I really like the Sonic Agitator, I think that's kind of cool, that you can go, and smashes the glass, I don't know, there's something about that that's kind of cool. Um... Yeah, the the laser watch, I, I you know, that just reminds me of the game GoldenEye when you actually had the laser watch that you could use. Um, I'm not going to go the credit card. Yeah, I'm going to go for the car. The Roman to do it too. Um, <laughs> what that was. Well, which car? Because we're worried you're saying invisible right now. <laughs> oh, fuck, the invisible car. How do we... Nah, invisible car, that takes it. I love the invisible car. Thanks for reminding me. I'm seriously going oh. with that. Or is that going to vehicle? Oh, fuck it. I'm going the visible car. I like it. I'm the only defender of that in the world of the James Bond universe of anybody's talked about James Bond. But I think it's great. And if we can easily accept a flying car and a car submarine, we can accept an invisible car. So I'm going with the invisible car. Bring back the moon buggy. I, I defended the moon buggy. <laughs> uh, let's keep it on the vehicles now, since that's all Ben and I talked about here. The vehicle scenes the battles uh chases whatever they are golden eye i mean obviously the tank chase can be included in there uh tomorrow never dies there was the the car park chase with the remote control the the motorbike chase world's on enough we can include the boat chase in there still uh now we're really see- seeing what the bras and movies were i mean they're fantastic chase scenes um I guess we could include the caviar factory with the, I guess the brief return to the remote control car there and the helicopters and the car chase on ice and die another day. Um, am I missing any there? Hovercraft chase? <laughs> Not missing any. Continue. <laughs> so favorite vehicle battle, favorite chase scene. Um... Would it be dumb of me to pick Bond versus Xenia at the start of Goldeneye? Um, it's kind of funny. Well, I thought with... you were referring to them as 
<laughs> when they're doing leg sex with each other like they're <laughs> Stolen the chance. I, I guess legs do take you from point A to point B. <laughs> oh, I'm dumb, Tank Chase. It's a classic. It's amazing. Yeah, this is tough because there's so many here to choose from. I was going to mention the the one of GoldenEye. Um, well, I already did, so the rules state that you should. <laughs> Shove it up your ass, Groves. Um, the, even the plane chase in the beginning of Tomorrow Never Dies, I guess, technically counts. Um, boat chase, I've already voted for it. Oh, you can't do it again. Me, 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 me. Um... Yeah, it's got to be the tank, doesn't it? But the ice chasing die another day is fun. Um, yeah, and the motorbike chase. I'm surprised you didn't go for that one, Noah, because you like your motorbikes. Um, and the boat... Ch- oh, tank chase, why not? It's Yeah, this is a difficult one. This is a very strong error for, for chases. But uh, let's go with tanky wanky. Yeah, it's it's so strong. I mean, if this were any of the other decades, I mean, we could have picked the ice chase in Die Another Day, and it wouldn't have been ridiculous. We could pick the car park. Any of them can fit in there. Um, I, It's not what I'm going to pick, but I just want to say, at the beginning of the motorbike chase, I don't think we were really talking that much about it. And the more time passes since we recapped that episode, the more I'm just thinking about how much I love that scene. I almost want to pick it now. Um, you can I know I can. Uh, it's just a matter of like, the, and I do agree the tank chase is fantastic. Uh, I don't think it's as good as the boat chase in Worlds Not Enough, but I really, it's it's so hard. I mean, the, the boat chase is the best action scene, but I think you add the added element of just the character development in there where they do get to build some chemistry between Bond and Wei Lin and the fact that she's constantly straddling him and then jumping on his back. Um a lot of the gags in there. I'm not going to pick it, but I just want to throw that out there. That that, that bike chase needs way more credit. It's fantastic. But I'm going to go with the boat chase. I mean, as I said, it's the, one of the greatest pre-title sequences of all time, if not the greatest, and one of the greatest chase scenes of all time. And real reason why Michael Apted deserves more credit as a director is just what he did with the action scenes in that. Yep. That's you, Groves. <laughs> Let's talk to wrap this up. <laughs> the best climax battle, which this is going to be Bond versus Alec on the big dish. Um, uh, Bond versus and Waylin versus Stamper and Carver on the big boat. <laughs> um, Bond versus Renard on the sub and in the prison castle thing. Um, and. Gustav Graves on a plane. That's a good movie, that Robocop. one. Robocop. Sequel to Snakes on a Plane. Um, Gustav Graves on a Plane. Yeah, this is, again, tough. They're all strong. I enjoy them all. Um, you know, Alec versus Bond. It's just nice little hand-to-hand combat on the dish, and then we get the big fall and the famous line and, you know, the boat and stands. More sort of Bonds. I mean, Carver's kind of, you know, grinded up pretty quickly, so... Um, what is it enough? Yeah, the whole torture chair, if we count that into it, mixed with uh, the sub and, yeah, the plane. I like the plane as well. Um, I am going to give it to the world is not enough. I like the torture chair, that sequence, and then the sub and just... 
you know, it's got Christmas Jones in it, but I, I, I really like the, the bit where he kills Renard and, you know, she's waiting for you and just that nice little exchange I have. It's kind of, you know, you don't have Bond kind of having a almost friendly exchange with a villain just before they're about to die. It's kind of, you know, like romantic and nice that he's allowing him to die to go be with the woman he loves. Like, it's strangely just it's a nice scene, as weird as it sounds. Um, but again, like if any of these were just in a decade against some of the other ones, they would easily win it. But it's a very strong period for, for, for climaxes. And, you know, we, we kind of lose a bit on the climaxes in the coming films. I think they're not quite as out there as, as these ones. So yeah, well, is enough for me. Just very, very slightly just. Just on a two side notes here. First, it's nice to hear you say that because when we were recording world's not enough, Ben, you're the one who said, this isn't the best of Brosnan's climaxes, and I was saying I think it is. And yeah, I'm I think I came around a bit. I think I was a bit of a dickhead on that episode. Well, at the end of that episode, <laughs> at least, anyway. So yeah. But uh, just another thing to note: you talked about the exchange between Renard and Bond there, just that last line, and that's I think another thing that we could talk again about something that came in just with the Pierce Brosnans is that they did that with all of them. There was the whole for England, James, no for me. Uh, you know, you forgot the first rule of mass media with Carver, the she's waiting for you with Renard and the time to face gravity with <laughs> uh, Gustav Graves. There's a lot of that in these. And I think that is one of the reasons why these climaxes work, because if you really look at it, GoldenEye and Tomorrow Never Dies are the exact same climax, just with a different villain. And there's the added benefit of the satellite dish with GoldenEye, but it's the same thing. And you could probably say the same thing with uh, the Die Another Day one, too. Um, World's Not Enough is the easy choice for me here because I think there's a lot going on in that climax. Uh, and it's not as good as the personal battle between Bond and Alec. I think that would go to Goldeneye. But the action itself, it, just being on a submarine, it, it leaves it so something as tense as, can I get through this door? It's so complex. And Bond swimming to the outside, swimming back in. Him and Christmas are almost drowning over and over again. There's... Renard has a great death scene again, keeping up with another thing that Pierce's have the great death scenes for all of the villains. Uh, yeah, I love the world's not enough one. Um, that's easily my favorite climax and probably at this point, my favorite climax we've had since who knows, um, for your eyes only maybe. Uh, yeah, not the world's not enough. I don't, it's just something. Why does that film not do it for me? Um, You're an idiot. I mean, I don't, I don't, yeah, a little bit. Um, I don't like, uh, I don't hate the, uh, what am I saying? I don't hate the pre the <laughs> climax. Climax. <though>. Climax. Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, we did not need that. Um. <laughs> Coming from the man who brought up Yoda's blowjob earlier in the episode. Uh, at least it wasn't Jar Jar Binks. Oh. Um. <laughs> Misa Saki Saki. Jar Binks. I don't hate The World Is Not Enough Climax, but I don't know. It's just a bit lackluster for me. I do like the sub stuff. I do like the death of Electra and all the Valentine stuff, but don't know. There's something there that I'm just not in for. Um... And let's not talk about Dying on the Day. Again, I'm sorry, broken down record. It was my number two film. I'm going to go Goldeneye. I just love everything that happens with Boris and the pen and the sneaking in and Bond versus Xenia and the helicopter 
and then Bond versus Alec for England. No, um, all of that is just amazing. So, cliched answer, and I wouldn't be in my top five of all time, but I'm going to go with Golden. I can't believe I said that about. And that's it. Enough. I'm an idiot. Sorry, Colin. You were right. I was wrong. So, yeah. Um. See, and as we said, Ben is the idiot of the family. <laughs> so who does this bit? <laughs> what does our pre-production well, notes say here? We don't have it, so I'll just do it. Um, <laughs> we're doing the summarizing now. Uh, let's recap the... Let's Mr. Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. Okay. No. I've got those numbers, don't I? That's down to moi. You might as well do this section, Ben, because you actually have it. So I don't know why I'm taking over. True, here. good point. Uh, just quickly before I do, I realise we've gone in like an hour and fifty odd minutes without playing this. You thought we were stopping after we did the movie. You were wrong. Uh, um. Okay. Kiss, kiss, bang. That was just random. Whatevs. Um. So given that we've called this the '95 to 2002s, we're still going to separate the kills and that into decades. For that part, because I think that kind of goes down to it. Obviously, we'll keep Brosnan separate, but I'll do, I'll do Brosnan first. So, that's Colin's dream. Um, so, <laughs> at the end of this period, we're at 273 kills, 53 sexes, uh, 17 martinis, and 23 bonds, Jane's bonds. Now, for the kills, do you think Pierce Brosnan has taken the, taken the cake? Has he, has, he topped, has he topped Connery? Easily. Mm, oh... Let me think. Yeah, probably. He has. 96 kills, um, which is 12 above Connery. And Connery had, what, three more films? Two more films? Oh, yeah. Uh, there you go. Uh, Ten sexes, intimate encounters, which is still fairly decent. Four, four movies, and he's only, what, uh, seven behind Connery, nine behind Moore. He's seven ahead of Lazenby and six ahead of Dalton. So there you go. Um, Martinis, well, <laughs> he's the most alcoholic Bond. He's had five <laughs> Martinis in four films, which puts him ahead of both Dalton and Connery. Um, and in terms of saying his name, well, he actually slips into second uh, five times, only behind Roger Moore, uh, who has 11, and uh, clear of Connery, Lazenby, and Dalton. Now, if we do it via the decades... Uh, so, 90s only, not including Die Another Day, 81 kills, which is only two behind the 60s, eight sexes, uh, which is the lowest of the decade until we get to the 2000s, but we haven't really got much there, uh, three martinis, which is the lowest, no, it's the second lowest, just beats the 70s, and Bond, James Bond, it is uh, equal lot bottom with the 60s. And 2000s, well, it's just a die another day count. So it's 15 kills, two intimate encounters, two martinis, one James Bond, 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 Bond. And obviously we'll add Casino Royale and Quantum to that when we get to it. So, uh, yes, there you go. Do I continue or do you want me to... You might as well. You're the one who has the notes there. <laughs> sure. All right. Um, so I guess we go into... Rankings, baby. Rankings. Um, I don't know why I'm laughing. Okay. So there were four films. You just heard yourself sing. That's why. Very true. So obviously this is the part where we just we go over the rankings in terms of uh, where they were. So uh, my 
Mining order was World is Not Enough, GoldenEye, Die Another Day, Tomorrow Never Dies. Noah, do you remember yours or do you want me to read yours out? Uh, well, it would be GoldenEye, Tomorrow Never Dies, so World is Not Enough, Die Another Day. Colin, yours, you remember yours, obviously? World is Not Enough, GoldenEye, Tomorrow Never Dies, Die Another Day, Die Another Day, Die Another Day. <laughs> Interestingly, my top two of this decade is also my top two on my list as well. So, um, yeah, that's... That's so funny. It's hilarious, isn't it? It's just the funniest <laughs> thing ever. And um, actually, all of the Brosnan films made the top ten for me. So, there you go. Um, so, we then need to go into... Uh, oh, no, we're going to rank the decades first, don't we, before we get the Hall of Fame. Uh, where are you two ranking this decade? Well, the 95 to 2002s. Oh. Uh, um, I mean, the 60s is still, hands down, the best. It's definitely better than the 80s, and uh, even though I think I have some 70s movies higher, um, I think I enjoy this as a whole because, despite the fact that, as I said, Die Another Day is right at the bottom of my list, unlike some of the ones that are bottom of my list from the 70s or the 80s, I mean, like you said, Noah, you could still watch Die Another Day, and uh, you almost want to watch Die Another Day for how bad it is. So I was not that too far ahead of us. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I may maybe I'd put this as uh, say it, say it. I'll put it, yeah, just because I think Spy Who Loved Me was the only really great movie of the seventies, whereas this has World Not Up and Golden Eye, so I'll put it second behind the sixties. Yay! Uh, I honestly did not think I would ever do this um but i think i've got to put it last oh and i never thought i would do that before this rewatch but just the world's not enough and die another day i just didn't enjoy too much and tomorrow never dies was still middle for me an enjoyable film and golden is obviously in the top five but i don't know it's close with the 80s and i could still switch it out with the 80s maybe um but, yeah, I'm just running through the 80s, what, Octopussy, Furious Only. Yeah, last, which is crazy to me because I never thought I would put it last. But on an average, it's definitely the worst. So, well, maybe not if you averaged it. But, yeah, but it's close between the 80s. Really, it's equal with the 80s. So don't get too up at me. But, yeah, last. I remember when we first started this, You were, I think you said to me at one point, you're like, the 80s is my, by far my least favourite decade. So, wow, that's a that's a big one. Did I say that? I remember some... I mean, he's kind of still saying it now. He's just saying... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not that big. I did just say that's equal. Life. I don't even need to drag this out. Number one. Um, yeah, easy. I've got all of them in my top ten, which puts them all in my top half. So, not even a question of a doubt with this one. Anyway, um... Hall of Fame we're up to, aren't we? Yeah, summarising that. Okay, here we go. Hall of Fame. It's the hall, the hall with the classic scenes. Okay, so um, we basically just choose one from each that summarise a decade. So for GoldenEye was our most difficult. I mean, we could probably fill this up with all GoldenEye moments, to be honest, uh, because we just debated over that. Uh, so the three from GoldenEye. Uh, was the tank chase, the bungee jump in the opening sequence, and the new M introduction with Bond. What are we thinking there? Uh, I would probably go with the M introduction. 
Hmm. I'd go bungee or um, tank. I would say bungee. Well, bungee it is. I what guess. are we talking about? Golden eye. Um, the best golden eye. Oh, the best of golden eye. Uh, bungee. Yeah, bungee. Why not? Um, tomorrow never do. None of this matters. So what? <laughs> Oh, is this the point of no return? None of this matters. Why are we podcasting? No one listens to this. This is shit. Um, tomorrow Never Dies, we had the Kaufman interrogation, remote control car chase in car park, and motorcycle chase scene. Ooh, motorbike. Yeah, motorbike. I want to go Kaufman, but fine, motorbike. Um, well, we'll Honourable do- mention to Kaufman. Great World scene. is not enough. We had the opening boat chase, the chair torture scene, and the final Q lab scene with Desmond Lavellen. Boat chase. Boat chase. I would go with torture scene, hands down, but I'm okay with the boat chase. And die another day, the ice car chase, None. the cute ice car, <laughs> the cute scene, or the sword fight. <laughs> ice, not the sword fight. Ice car, it is. <laughs> ice car. Verity getting her head chopped. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've done my yeah, dash, Colin. You can take back over now. Go. <laughs> Kind of funny that we mainly chases for the Brosnan one, except for Golden. It's all Colin chasing mm-hmm. after Brosnan. Yes, a worthy thing to chase Come after. Come back and kiss me. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Colin's performance of Madonna? Or? Yeah. Uh, we're done, Brosnan. And <laughs> even, well, we're done? Is that what the pre-production notes say? Yeah, done? Uh, <laughs> Brosnan's out and Craig's coming in. Yeah. We're obviously going to be recapping, as this has finally been decided, we'll be recapping the two non-official Casino Royales first before we reboot the entire series. But uh, looking forward don't to... Groan, don't groan, you listener. I hear you groaning. It'll be fun. Uh, especially the 1954 one. I think I'm the only one who's seen it, and I actually really like that, so it'll be fun. But, yeah, let's look forward to the Daniel Craig era and uh, what's coming up. So... Uh, what are we looking forward to? What are we not looking forward to? What uh, is kind of our expectation going in? Um, I won't go first on this again, uh, even though I don't know if we have an official rule on this. Um, the Daniel Craig era is going to be, or the 2006s to the, the uh, 2015s. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's going to be interesting because I'm going to be talking up these films a lot. Well, most of them, three of them. But I'm also going to be criticising them more than a lot of Bond fans probably would. There's a lot of things I don't like about these films, but some of these ones are just so well made. Um, You can't not love Casino Royale. I think we're all in agreement that that one is at least fantastic. Um, But, yeah, I hate to say it. Um, People are going to be booing me, but Craig is definitely not one of my favourite Bonds, and... His era, it almost feels like a completely different entity to me and not even James Bond. It feels like we've moved into a period of something completely different. But I still enjoy the films and there's going to be a ton to talk about. Maybe not so comedic and outlandish like the Brosnan ones. We're probably going to bring it back down to earth a bit more. But we did say that for your eyes only, so who knows. But I'm definitely looking forward to it and... Yeah, the other Casino Royale's never seen them, but we'll talk about that another time. It's taken uh, 20 film recaps for finally Noah and I to basically be on the same page uh, together. Um, yeah, let's just... You're on my team now. <laughs> Yay, Team Davidoff. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, look, let's let's yeah. These are these are great films, with the exception of one. Um, you know, like I've always said that these are very good movies, but are they Bond movies? Maybe, maybe not. They're just so different. Clearly, that's what a reboot does. They they do that. They reboot it and all this sort of stuff. And you know, I, I'm a traditionalist. I like my Bond films like they are in the first twenty films. You know, uh, not trying to take away too much from these not being good movies. And as kind of Noah said, I think we're all going to be very much on the same page with Casino Royale that it's a brilliant film. But again, is it a Bond film? Don't know. We'll get to that. Um, yeah, Craig. Similar to Noah, definitely not my favourite Bond. Um, he's definitely adapted to the role. I think saying that Brosnan kind of fit into it straight away, I kind of think that Craig's taken maybe the longest to get into the role. I think it's only really Spectre since, well, at least Noah and I have both been like, hey, he's finally James Bond now. Um, you know, and there's a lot about Craig that I really dislike. There's just so much to his portrayal of the character that, again, I know it's a different portrayal of the character compared to what we've seen, but there's just something about him that just always kind of irks me, um, which, again, is just going to be fun to talk about. But, yeah, like, these these are the newest films now. We've kind of we've made it right, basically, to, to this point, and... You know, I, I think we're all going to be very much in agreement on one. We're all going to be very much in a disagreement on the other in terms of that we all, I think, dislike it. Um, and then the last two, like, you know, Skyfall is kind of an interesting one because I've actually only ever seen it twice. I've seen it once at the movies and I watched it, you know, rewatched it just before Spectre. So it's kind of interesting. I haven't seen it that many times for a very recent film. And Obviously, Spectre, 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 you know, at the time of recording this, it's still in the cinemas, so we'll get to it when it comes out. But, um, yeah, I, I'm sad to see Brosnan go, but I, I am pretty excited to kind of get to these because it's um, definitely a new era for Bond and uh, something that I think is going to bring a lot of discussion to the table from all three of us. Yeah, I'm... For anybody out there who's worried that uh, this is going to be like trash on the Daniel Craig's, it's not. Well, this is uh, like the hipster James Bond podcast. Oh yeah, we don't like the James, the Daniel Craig film. <laughs> well, I'll be the biggest defender of Daniel Craig. Uh, I love Daniel Craig, and I, I disagree because I think that although there were moments where they didn't write his character as traditionally as Bond in Casino Royale, I don't think anybody was as comfortable and gave as good of a first performance as Daniel Craig did. I mean, his performance Casino Royale is right up there with the best of any Bond. And mm. uh, I think we all are going to agree on the one, uh, let's just say it as Quantum of Solace, but at the same time, I'm not nearly as down on this as most people is. I just consider it to be kind of an average movie that it's unfortunate considering it's surrounded by Casino Royale and Skyfall. A lot of people like Peter Travers or whoever will put it at the bottom of their list, but I'm going to be honest, there's no way Quantum of Solace is a worse Bond movie of all time. It's just very average comparison to the others. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, there's a lot of great things in these. I mean, a couple of amazing villains and um, hmm. a lot of the things... And Dominic Grief. <laughs> yeah, and Dominic <laughs> um, I, a, a lot of the things that um, you know are going to change... You made the argument, Ben, that it doesn't feel like Bond, and I'm. it's strange because when we get to what my reaction was when I first saw Casino Royale, it's actually very surprising considering you know my reaction to it now. So I can kind of see it from that point of view, but if we take all four of these and we place it 
right following Honor Majesty's Secret Service. These all fit with Honor Majesty's Secret Service flawlessly. They fit with From Russia With Love flawlessly, minus only a couple of, you know, cheesy puns. Other than that, these are just like some of the best Bond movies ever as far as the tone goes. It's just the, the other movies were surrounded by some absurdity and ridiculousness. And they just decided, let's just do From Russia With Love and Honor Majesty's Secret Service every time. So I think this is just as much all of these just as much James Bond movies as the others, just minusing a few of the little cliches. But overall, these are amazing movies, and I'm going to have good defenses for them all. Cool. What's going to be interesting is I'm not going to disagree with most of what you say, but I'm mm-hmm. still going to have criticism. So that's what's going to make it so fascinating because I think these are great films too, and I'd say at least two of them have potential for top ten. Definitely one of them is certainly in the top ten. And then three of them in the top 15 or 16. So it's going to be weird that I'll be arguing with something that I agree with. So yeah. one, thing, uh, one thing I'm going to be interested to see, and I'm not going to give it away yet, but I kind of developed a reputation um, during the Roger Moore era of liking the, as Noah called them, the cardboard Bond girls, um, Rosie Carver and some of the others. But there's one Bond girl that I am, I just adore. And I'm not going to say who it is, but I'm really curious to see if this is going to be something where, you know, it'll become the next Rosie Carver. Because if it's someone from uh, a film starting with Q, then I question. No, I'm more worried about somebody from a film beginning with CR who's in it about as much as Monica Bellucci in a hammock. A if film it's that starts Solange, with VR, you're that fine. What, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> Oil? Solange cannot be your new Rosie. Yeah, right now, Colin. Come on, level with us. If that's it, we're out. No and I are gone. You can do this with cable. <laughs> no, no, I won't. I won't spoil it. It is not from Casino Royale, though. That's all. Oh, I'll it's say. so so. No, we're out. <laughs> there's one character that. I just I love so much that it's it's going to be ridiculous how much I talk well, it has to be Oh, I actually think I know who you're talking about now. If you bring oh, up, oh, it's not um, good night. What's the name that gets covered in oil? Yeah. <laughs> Moving well, on. Let's, <laughs> let's yeah. just say it. It's yes, strawberry field. Now, strawberry field. One of my favorite. She's characters. better than bloody. Yeah, I, I guess that now that I think about it, Mary Goodnight and everything. I, like I, I, I'm, 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 look, we're spoiling this, whatever, but I like, yeah, I like Strawberry Fields. She's one of the few things I like about that movie. Title of this episode, let's talk about strawberry. <laughs> uh, we haven't talked Tastes about it. Tastes like strawberries. I wouldn't know. I do. Uh... <laughs> ben, you've got to stop with the orgasm. You, Colin said well, at the beginning, I'm only coming in this episode. Yeah. That one was coming in your pants at the moment. It, in let's be let's be fair. In Goldeneye, it did end with Xenia after that exchange. Xenia going. Ugh. So, yeah, Ben, you're all, you're off on that one. That's I okay. I definitely got off on that one. So, <laughs> stop again. Yoda blowjob. Like you're not interested too. in this episode. <laughs> yeah, no one has. You have ten orgasms. Well, Yoda and giving a. Dick suck? No! I'm glad my hands are washed clean of this episode. Anybody who's offended... <laughs> uh, I don't think I had to have a penis. This is why we're running for two hours Colin, on a 90-minute... Leave! Close the episode out! I don't want to... That's an image I didn't need! <laughs> I don't know if this was in the pre-production notes or not. 
But uh, I, I think calling, it was probably in George Lucas's pre-production. Life's big questions: What is the meaning of life? Why are we here? Does Jar Jar Binks have a penis? <laughs> I've never paused it to look for the bulge in his cross. I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, there's some homework for you. <laughs> so to end off this, if episode, he does, keep him away from Yoda. <laughs> That's all we Colin, can say. quick, while we while you can. can we go but, back over this? When yes, we go back Colin, over... I like strawberry too. <laughs> when we go back over this episode, all I'm I'm guessing all we're going to hear is Noah and Ben saying one inappropriate thing after the other and me continually going, let's move on, let's move on, getting cut off over and over again. I love the fact that this, well, we used to do these in 90 minutes and the fact that we're well over two hours now, we're nearly at the length of our live and let die recap right now. Can we just put a pact here? These ridiculous conversations. This is the end of an era. We've had four Brosnan ones. We've got a reboot 007. So, Jar Jar Binks, Penis, Yoda, Blowjob, Ben, Orgasm. That is the end of this era of 007. This is the end. Uh, Well, we do have the parodies. But after that, we're rebooting with Casino Royale. Family-friendly bond. Um, well, probably, <laughs> maybe not that. At least the, the non-family-friendly stuff will be funny, not just gross. <laughs> <laughs> ben making noises. Oh. <laughs> Stop uh, it! <laughs> okay. Well, we'll close this out now, as everybody's just dying for us to be over. Um, another day. Yeah, I was going to go there, but I was afraid you'd play the song again. Uh, well, I don't know what you're hearing right now, but I'm hearing something. Uh, okay. All I have to say is, I have been calling, and I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. My name is Noah, and I look forward to never having to talk about Die Another Day ever again. But, woo! And I'm Ben, and how do I live? How do I breathe when Pierce Brosnan's not with me anymore? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs>